0: Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro. Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always. You know him, he's the co host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more. You are tuned into the entertainment edition of the ODPH, and we definitely want to interact with you. So make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on our social media accounts. They're all right there. Parlay Points block section is blowing up, so you definitely want to make sure you swing on over there for more content. The Directory, the Classifieds, the T Public Store, anything and everything that is the ODPH can be found at odphpodcast.com. And always remember on social media, use the hashtag odphpod. But kicking off this very, very extravagant mm-hmm. edition of the ODPH, because there's a lot to cover, we have to recap one of the biggest movies at the box office. Yeah, it was. The Marvel Cinematic Universe came back in a huge way with a movie that had a lot of fans talking, a lot of fans speculating. We weren't sure exactly what we are going to get because the trailer was not exactly released a while ago. It's been mm-hmm. kind of kept under wraps. Mm-hmm. But we did get the latest in the Thor saga, played by the one only Chris Hemsworth, Thor, Love and Thunder. Now, this is the second film uh, directed by Taika Waititi, mm-hmm. and this movie did star Thor, uh, or Christian, Chris Hemsworth is Thor, obviously. Christian Bale made his MCU debut as Gore the God Butcher. And we had Natalie Portman return to her role as Jane Foster, and we have not seen her in quite some time in the MCU. Oh yeah! So this is borrowing from the epic James or, uh, Jason Aaron comic run, which if you haven't checked out. You definitely need to go see it. It's phenomenal. And we are definitely going to be breaking down what is going on with that. But, Pat, you got some stats for us first? Uh,
1: Yeah, so over the weekend, Thor Love and Thunder was obviously the number one film domestically at the box office, grossing $144,165,107, beating out the likes of uh, Minions, The Rise of Gru, which was number two, with $46.1 million. Top Gun Maverick. Top Gun Maverick is still top three movies at the box office, which is insane. And we'll get to in one shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Top Gun Maverick was number three with $15.5 million at the box office. Elvis was number four uh, with $11.1 million at the box office. Uh, and Jurassic World Dominion was rounding out the top five with $8.5 million domestically uh, for its run thus far. Domestically, Thor Love and Thunder has grossed $170 million in change Uh, Internationally, it has grossed $159.1 million for a worldwide total, as of recording, $329,178,181.
0: So I guess it did pretty well at the box office. Uh, Yeah, I would say so. So that being said, we are going to be talking about Thor Love and Thunder for this beginning first segment of the show. Now, if you're new to the ODPH, first and foremost, thank you for checking us out. Secondly, what we'd like to do is give you a spoiler-free statement of the content we're going to be talking about. So you're not spoiled. And then we're going to timestamp in this episode where we start deep diving into those spoilers. Because if you haven't seen the movie yet, hey, we don't want to ruin it for you, but we want you to be part of the conversation as well. So that being said, after the countdown we go live with spoilers, but until then, Pat, hit me with your spoiler-free statement of Thor Love and Thunder.
1: Thought it was a really fun movie. Uh, if you enjoyed Thor Ragnarok, you'll definitely enjoy it, you know. Wasn't like the greatest cinematic masterpiece of all time, but like I wasn't going in there expecting that. But for what I expected, you know, just a fun summer movie with Thor in the, in the cast and the MCU, it
0: it was what I wanted it to be and I enjoyed it. If you're fans of the Marvel Comics version of Thor, this movie might not have connected with you as much. If you're fans of the Thor of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you're going to love this movie. The one thing that we have seen time in and time out with Chris Hemsworth is his comedic timing is shining through, especially with Taika Waititi directing. This is a perfect pairing for a very fun summertime movie experience at the box office to put it you know as nicely as i can this does not connect with certain fans because if you're used to the comics thor is not this funny Mm -hmm. he's very much the fish out of water so Mm -hmm. to speak and when you see him dealing with other characters of the marvel comics universe however though this movie was very good and that's what i took it for because it's hard to compare both the cinematic and the comic universe at this stage. It just Right. It, it, they're now kind of splintering off in different directions. We'll get a little more into that with the Miss Marvel breakdown. But this is a situation that you're either in love with the character and the actor playing them, or you're not and you just want to stick to what you know from the comics. But I will say this. I was very entertained by this movie. I thought Christian Bale's performance as Gore was phenomenal. Oh, yeah. I love seeing him in there. Bale and I, was awesome. And I will say Natalie Portman surprised me. I really I really was surprised because she seemed to really enjoy her time being Jane Foster again.
1: Well, and I can only imagine that that was one of the conditions of her coming back, you know, was and, and this isn't a slight against the writers or directors of the first two Thor movies. But it was, I I can imagine one of her, you know, requirements or requests for coming back was give me some more emotional depth than I'm in love with a god. Yeah. Because there were moments where they were definitely playing up the romance angle, which is understandable given the characters. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't the only storyline going on with her throughout the movie, unlike previous films. Yes.
0: No, there was a lot going on with her in this character. But it goes back to the Jason Aaron story, though, because this is where you saw Lady Thor emerge. So, it is definitely a fun, energetic movie. If you want to get a good laugh, and just basically like you think Summer Blockbuster just yeah. fits the bill yeah, for it's it, a perfectly. Su- it's, a,
1: it's a summer movie. You know, if it's hot out, 90, 90 plus degrees out, you know, high humidity, high dew point, and you need to escape the heat, it's a good movie to go
0: see. Yes, absolutely. So, that being said, it is spoiler talk time. So, after the countdown, we go live with it. So, in three, two, one, pad. What did you really think of Thor Love and Thunder?
1: Fucking hated it. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, I, I really enjoyed it. It was a su- fun summer movie. You know, felt a little quick. You know, I know it was on the short, shorter side. It was uh, listed at 119 minutes, you know, according to the Wikipedia page. Um, you know, felt a little on the short side, but it didn't necessarily feel rushed. You know, it felt concise, compact. The action sequences were fun. Story was all right. You know, story wasn't anything to really write home about. It wasn't anything memorable. You know, but it was still enjoyable for what it was, you know, and at the end of the day, I had fun and I'm excited with the
0: post credit scenes to see where things go from here. I enjoyed it. I I legitimately did. The one thing that I kind of lean more towards is I'm an old school comic fan. So it is a little tougher for me to get into this version of Thor. Sure. Not saying I don't like it, but it does take me a little while when I watch a Thor movie or see him in a sure. Avengers movie. Sure. When he's doing a lot more humor than I'm used to because it just it doesn't compute with me. Like mm-hmm. it, it just it, it takes me a while to figure it out. But this movie definitely gave a lot of energy to the franchise. And to see where we're going with a new direction, I thought was an interesting take. I'm not sure where we're going long term because obviously with Marvel now kicking off their phase four, Mm -hmm. the plans are still up in the air of how much Chris Hemsworth is going to be involved with it. Right. It was announced he will come back as Thor at the end of the movie. Right. So we do know that at least there should be another Thor project. If not, we will see him back as Thor in Mm -hmm. some other movie down the road. Mm -hmm. But where this movie really shined, I thought, was Christian Bale. And, obviously, dealing with the Jason Aaron storyline, it worked perfectly because, literally, that is where we kicked off this movie. Oh, yeah. You saw Gore with his daughter, and they're really struggling to survive in a desert-type planet. Yeah. And you do see that he's making prayers to whatever god he's worshipping.
1: Mm-hmm. There's, like, no water for, like, anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just like, water, water,
0: bat Yeah. And then, eventually, he does connect with the god that he's been worshipping, Repu. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of an awkward sequence because he's now in this very, you know. It's per- like a desert oasis. Yeah, it's, a, it's an oasis. So you don't really know if it's an illusion or if it's actually real. Hey,
1: I thought he was hallucinating. I'm not going to lie.
0: Yeah, no, that's kind of the vibe I had because all of a sudden, like, everything's perfect. And he's in there. And, and then you see the god is mocking him.
1: <laughs> well, the, the god goes, uh-oh, a human got in. And then he starts worshiping him. And, and the god, Rappu, just goes, uh-oh, it's one of mine.
0: Yeah, so it's kind of a weird scenario, is that you see all these mythical creatures around too, and Gore is just pleading for serenities, like you know I've been worshiping you. This is this should be my reward for all the 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 homage I've been paying you, and and Rahu could just br- like brushes him off out of nowhere. It's just basically no selling. He's like, yeah, forget about it. Like you're not worth my time. And then this is where things got kind of interesting. You did see the emergence of the necro hmm Now. If you read the comics, you do know who this is connected to. I am not saying that that character is connected just yet to the MCU. Give it time. Give it time, but you did see some inklings of that because when he Rapu is ready to kill Gore, mm-hmm. he has him up, you know, holding him by yep. the neck up, and you see the, the sword is basically calling out to Gore to take him. It's whispering, yeah. Yeah, it, it's having a symbiotic connection with him. Much like you've seen with Venom. Mm-hmm. And that's where the origin of the Necrosword comes from, because it comes from Null, mm-hmm. who is the god of the symbiotes. And that's going to be a whole different ball of wax if and when they want to bring him to the Disney-led MCU. Well, that's if they even can, because that's a whole ball of mess. Yeah, that's going to be a weird one. but that's on, that's
1: on the level of Namor for me. We'll see.
0: Yeah, I'm not really holding too much breath, but... You never know. I mean, Kevin Feige has been able to pull off some magic, so I'm not doubting we see mm-hmm. Null at some point. Right. But to what degree with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, not the Sony Cinematic Universe, that's the left for debate. At this point, though, you see Gore accepts the sword and stabs Repu oh, yeah. right with it. And right in the neck. Yep, and hits him with the neck shot, cuts the head off, and now has pledged that he is going to kill all gods. Mm-hmm. And this gives him that ability to do it. But what he doesn't realize is this is also corrupting him at the same time.
1: The sword is much like the One Ring in Lord of the Rings where, yeah, it's powerful and, yeah, it can do some stuff for you. But, like, subtly in the background, it's corrupting you and turning you evil.
0: Yeah. In a weird sense, it's like the Black Knight ebony blade Mm, that you see. There's a curse about that, but it's a little more like bloodlust compared to, you know, killing. Sure. It's a whole different thing with comics. But, hey, just roll with it. It it makes sense. You know what it is? Reasons. Reasons. Perfect. And then at this sense, though, we do shift away from Gore, who's now on his mash- his mission to kill mm-hmm. all gods, to where we catch up with some old friends. Yeah. And, Pat, who are those old friends? Uh, Thor and the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. So we do see that Thor has kind of had a breakdown. He's, on
1: a re- yeah, he's had a breakdown. He's on a road trip. He's going through a lot.
0: Yeah, he's kind of reflecting on his life mm-hmm. uh, post-Avengers Endgame. And he's in a weird state where he doesn't want to fight anymore. He's kind of like, if I have to, I will. Sure. And meanwhile, the Guardians of the Galaxy have picked up their pledge about saving the universe. And Mm -hmm. anybody who calls out for distress. Mm -hmm. So you do see that we have this opening montage where they go through and are saving a planet. And then basically they get Thor to get involved, who comes out and unveils his robe. and Yeah. He's now in basically street clothes.
1: All the while, uh, Korg is monologuing or speaking over the the sequence while doing an '80s training montage, to showing how Thor went from dad bod, Korg, Korg's words exactly, to god bod. You know, from the time we saw him at Endgame to now. You know, and then we see the fight sequence, and and basically like the, the, he he led the Guardians there on like a whim or like a pretense. And like, oh, this will be a great vacation. And then it's not. And Rocket even brings this up. He goes, You said this would be a vacation. And Thor's like, It is a vacation. And Rocket's like, On what in what world is this a vacation where we're fighting? We're supposed to be relaxing. He goes, Fighting is relaxing. Yeah. You know, and they finally convince him to join in the fight where he destroys everything.
0: Yeah, he just goes complete wrecking ball through everything. It's mm-hmm. so like I say, he has to get motivated to fight. But yeah, but fighting is like his piece too. It's a odd take, but it does mm-hmm. make sense because he's he's he looks like he's going through a breakdown. And it, well, and it's even like he, you know, uh,
1: Cord brought up in the monologue. He, he's been through a lot. His brother died mm-hmm. once, and then again, and then a third time. You know, his he lost his father, he lost his mother, he lost his planet, he lost Lord knows how many people on that planet. Yeah, you know. So, and this is all in this short span of time, so it's a lot.
0: It definitely is a lot to deal with, but there's really no rest for the wicked. As he gets messaged by Lady Sif, mm-hmm. uh, Jamie Alexander reprising the role, and is now informed of what Gore is up to, right? And it's a situation where he leaves the Guardians, uh, albeit though in a very funny sequence.
1: Yeah, he leave he, he bequeaths uh, Star Lord's ship to him. Yes, I, I'm going to give you a gift. I'm going to give you the ship, but this is my ship. Yes, no, it's it's a fantastic ship with a little rough around the edges, but it'll work for you.
0: Yeah, uh, the comedic timing between Chris Hemsworth and Chris Pratt was top-notch. In this. I
1: can't help but wonder but if some of that was ad-libbed.
0: Oh, you have to think so. You have to, because there's just... The one thing that we can't stress enough is Chris Hemsworth's comedic timing is top-notch with mm-hmm. anybody. And just the little subtleties he does, like even to the point where Chris Pratt's giving the whole speech about, you know, I was down in your situation, I lost a lot, but then I had to look to the people I love and that's what brought me out of it, and you see Thor trying to stare right at Mm Star-Lord, and he's like, not me, not me. He's like, oh, no, no, I'm not doing that. No, no, it's not me. Like, that little kind of sequence does add a lot to the movie and does add a little bit of the frenemy state that you have seen between Star-Lord and Thor throughout the movies they've been connected to. So, it is a very cool sequence, but this is where Thor takes off with his two goats that mm-hmm. he has now won, and Korg. Yeah, The Im- screaming goats. Yes, the screaming goats. God, these things are awesome. Yeah, they were fantastic. Holy shit. So he's now investigating where Sif was injured from her fight with Gore, and now he's getting told about Gore's next plan is... Heading to New Asgard. Mm-hmm. Where New Asgard pad? Where was the last time we saw it? It was just kind of forming as a colony. It
1: was. It was a colony. There were some houses, people were living there, but it wasn't necessarily the bustling kind of metropolis it is uh, as we see today. And I don't mean metropolis in the like Gotham or literal metropolis way, like major city. I mean in the a tourist destination you know there's there's at one point we see like three or four cruise ships uh in in the water you know look like carnival the type of cruise ships uh you know they're giving guided tours throughout the city of some of the artifacts that are there there's merchandise being sold there's food being sold there's hotels you know there's all sorts of stuff so it's it's got a lot going for it
0: to me it had a weird atlantic city vibe yeah I, i'm just gonna yeah. put that out there like i was like in a kind of weird sense this does have a little Boardwalk vibe to yeah, it. Yeah, a little bit. Not not complaining about it at all, but this is a situation that I don't think anybody was expecting the last time we saw New Asgard. But obviously the ruling uh, figurehead of New Asgard, Valkyrie, played by Tessa Thompson, is now getting adjusted to the transition that has been going on here. Right. And that you're seeing now that the touristy things that we are kind of mm-hmm. noticing are really kind of playing in more of a factor than we thought.
1: Well, she definitely seems like a fish out of water just because she is a Valkyrie. You know, she is a fighter. She's not meant for, like, bureaucratic and diplomatic policy work. You mm-hmm. know, she might be on the front lines fighting, taking care of stuff, not sitting behind a desk and listening to people talk all day.
0: Right. But you're also seeing that she's now dealing with, there's a theater actors that are recreating yeah. the... Life of Thor, and yeah. Matt Damon reprises his role as Loki. They say, repri- uh, reenacting the events of Ragnarok. Yep, and Melissa McCarthy is playing Hella.
1: God, that was amazing.
0: That was awesome. And it was just it's just a fun thing that they're just tying a lot back to what they did in Ragnarok and really are trying yeah. to establish that Asgard is much the same as it was, but yet different. But now with being a tourist attraction, and more like an, a museum to Thor, much like yeah. I was also getting a weird Flash Museum vibe. Yeah.
2: A little bit. You know, like a A little little parallels going on because
0: you are seeing the broken ulnar that is kept in a case. And now this has drawn the attention of one Dr. Jane Foster. Mm -hmm. So since the last time that we've seen Jane Foster, she unfortunately has been diagnosed with terminal cancer.
1: Also while becoming a very uh, successful publishing author. Yes. Well-known publishing author.
0: Mm -hmm. And she's tried every treatment she can to you know slow down her cancer but nothing so is try, working.
1: she's tried every treatment known to man and she's even tried some unknown ones in some experiments uh on herself
0: mm-hmm. but with all of this is not working in her favor she does wind up getting po- called to mjolnir mm-hmm. in, in kind of a surprise sequence as she goes up to the glass case and mjolnir is completely shattered in and you do see mjolnir reforming right and then it cuts away, though. Yeah,
1: like the pieces start to move, and they start to, I think they, if I remember right, they start to glow blue a little bit, mm-hmm. and then it cuts away before you see anything.
0: Right. But well, then it cuts away, and then this is when Thor arrives, because once he shows up, Gore is already there. There is a monster attack at night, because mm-hmm. one thing that Gore can do with the Necro Sword is he can create creatures of the night. So you're thinking spiders, you're thinking demons, you're thinking, you know, all types
1: of... The stuff nightmares are made of.
0: Exactly. So there is a very big fight sequence that goes on here. It's very well done. And then this is when Thor sees Jane Foster as Lady Thor. Mm-hmm. Where she comes in. She's doing a lot of different things with the with hammer, which I was applauding, too, how she did she shattered yeah. the hammer off so the fragments of Mjolnir yeah. went off like a projectile. That was a cool effect. I thought it was a very dope effect. And you're seeing Thor is just sitting there in shock because... He's dumbfounded. Yeah, because the love of his life has now reappeared. Right. And is now a as guardian. Yeah. And he is having a little difficult time processing it because they did give a little background story yep. of how Jane and Thor were together and yep. life was just pulling them apart. So typical relationship goals, yeah. you know, or struggles, shall I say, and the goals just were not being met. So, well,
1: and the goals of him being a, you know, a multi dimensional God, mm-hmm. you know, showing up on various planes or whatever. And then her just being a very well-known, very successful scientist and, and an author, you know, where... He, kept, you know, it, it. and that's one of the things they showed in the montage where it started off very friendly and all oh, we love each other and this and that. But then just, you know, he'd run off and she'd be sitting there dinner on her own. They get it, you know. He'd get angry, dinner was cold, and she goes, well, it was warm when I made it for you three hours ago, but you were off doing, you know, you know? so it was one of those things where, like, it just kind of filled in the gaps, because that's what one of the things that, you know, they didn't really address in the last one, but it filled in for now.
0: Yeah, it definitely did. So we got the backstory what why there's so much awkwardness, and then yeah. at this point, too, you see Thor shift into a different armor. Now I remember this armor from back in the '80s too, when he had mm-hmm. he was gifted the uh, the death curse and was keeping yeah. alive. So it's kind of a cool throwback. You did see more of the winged helmet, yeah. that we haven't seen before yep. too. So yep. it kind of played off. So they're fighting off Gore's uh, attempts, but you do see that Gore does get his accomplishment done, and that is he was trying to kidnap the youth of mm-hmm. New Asgard, mm-hmm. and he winds up sneaking them away. But it's a kind of an odd sequence because the town is left completely dumbfounded at what's going on. Uh-huh. And there is no answers by Valkyrie because she's still trying to piece this together. Thor is trying to save face because he doesn't know what's going on. But yeah. he's trying to do his best Superman talking to Smallville. And it's just, it's failing.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't make much sense to him because this is Gore who to this point has killed Lord knows how many gods. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just kind of his MO is shows up on a planet, kills the gods, leaves so it makes no it's got to make no sense to him showing up on earth to new asgard where he's a god you know presume we know from the other mcu shows there are other gods on this world he doesn't show up and kill the gods he just takes the kids and leaves so he's he's sitting there going what the fuck
0: yeah everybody's puzzled by what he's doing because they're still trying to piece together why he's doing what he's doing and they also realize that they're not going to be able to stop him because yeah. he's been a step ahead of the game the entire time. And even though Thor does a psychic connection with Heimel's son mm-hmm. to get an update of where he is and he's trying to calm the kids, he realizes that they're in the Shadow Realm. Yeah, And this is a situation that Thor knows that they're completely outpowered.
1: Right, and that, and that was cool to see just because... It was one of the cool moments where, like, in the past few movies, Thor's been like, "Wait, what's going on?" Mm-hmm. But this was an awesome moment to see where now Thor's showing he he knows some stuff. He's not just the big dumb oaf, you know, with the muscles, right? You know, we might think he is. No, he knows some shit. That like he he mentions the the dark zone or whatever it is, and and obviously Jane doesn't know what the fuck it is. But yeah. but even Valkyrie goes, "Wait, what?"
0: Yeah, Jane is completely out of the, her element here because she's trying to be a hero. She's trying to really catch up to speed.
1: And it, and, it, and if I remember right and I could be wrong, she's only been Thor for like a couple of days, maybe a week. It's been a it's a short amount of time. And it's I, it's not more than a week if it's maybe a week at
0: max. Yeah, it's it's very short, but she's still trying to get a hold of everything going on with this and she's even struggling to keep it together. Mm-hmm. Valkyrie's the only person that knows that she's sick. Yep. At this point, so Thor has no idea and and Jane is really asking everybody just don't tell him and doesn't need to know about this but this is where thor decides to come up with a plan like well if gore is coming after gods we need to get more gods involved mm-hmm. and he's promising the town folk of new asgard he's going to bring them back he's, he's like don't worry about the children they'll be fine we're yeah. going to solve this he's truly really trying to save face but you have to understand the, the parents of those children then they're all very scared of what's sure. going on sure so it made perfect sense about what they were doing but his plan was definitely a little bit of curveball. I was not fully yeah. expecting this in this aspect for the movie. It also felt like uh, Indiana Jones, the Raiders
1: of the Lost Ark, were. You know, Indy gets asked, well, what exactly are you going to do? And Indy just goes, well, I don't know. I'm making this up as I go.
0: Yeah, because that was kind of the vibe. Because what he decides to do is he's going to go to Omnipotence City. Mm-hmm. And, Pad, what is so special about this magical place? It's not Tahiti, though.
1: No, it's not Tahiti. Uh, but it is a place where literally every god and goddess or godlike person in existence comes and hangs out.
0: Yeah, it's a weird... Uh Social mixer, kind of. I mean, that's kind of the vibe you get from it because everybody's coming in. It's like a business meeting, so to speak. Everybody's
1: a business meeting that's also got an orgy plan
0: later. Yeah, it's it's just goes into the humor of the, what they're doing because yeah. we do see the head of the party is mm-hmm. the one and only Greek god Zeus, yeah, played by Russell Crowe. Yeah. So this was a very very fun sequence of events that goes on because at this point you're you're seeing that Thor is trying to act like he's the big uh, fish in the small pond, so to speak, but he realizes it's the other way around. He doesn't really rank up that high. So right. as he's trying to blend in and, and eventually draw the attention of Zeus to his cause, he's being very tentative about it.
1: He's being very tentative, but I think he's also trying to do that thing where you're friends with somebody and but and your friend is friends with other people that you haven't met before. Mm-hmm. And you know, this person you know is trying to really... Sell themselves on how awesome they are, you know, despite how cool their other friends might look. Because th- without anyone bringing it up or anyone asking a question like, "Hey, you know, I noticed there's a lot of similarities between you and Zeus," Thor just starts bringing it up on on without a question being asked. He's just like, "Oh no, yeah, I totally, you know, model myself after, but I'm the better one, though."
0: Yeah, of course. Well, he plays into that ego. Like, I I, I always hate saying like the jock at school, but he kind of he does lean that tendency a lot during his own solo movies not so much with the Avengers movies but more so here but like I say it's not a bad thing it's just a personal choice if you're into it or not but this is where he is trying to concoct his plan of recruiting Zeus he has Korg with him he has Lady Thor he has Valkyrie and he basically gets exposed for interrupting the uh, minutes of the meeting Mm -hmm. so Zeus calls him to the front of everybody yep Thor is trying to plead his case that Gore the God Butcher is coming yep you are not going to be able to stop him. And Zeus is also showing that cockiness that he's like, I could if I want to, but he's really not that big on the scale. Like, mm-hmm. we, we don't have to worry about this. And Thor is well, like.
1: We're in a place where he can't reach us. Only gods can enter here.
0: Yeah. And Thor's like, no, he's coming. You're going to need to do this. And he gets turned down flat out. Yeah. No. Zeus is like, no. Well, Thor's like, well, if you're not going to do this, I'm going to have to do this myself. And this is where Zeus says, No. Because you now know where we live. Mm-hmm. You now know how to get here. Mm-hmm. If Gore finds out, then he can come here. He can,
1: torture, he can torture you and get the information out of you. Yeah.
0: So you're staying here. Yeah. And this is where you see the scene where Thor is imprisoned. Yep. And you see Zeus snap his fingers and his clothes fly off.
1: Knocking out every woman on the dais. Yes,
0: yeah, because Thor is standing there buck naked.
1: With a tattoo on his back that says,
0: R.I.P. Loki. Yep. So completely naked. Yeah. And it's just looking very awkward. And then this is the point where plan B goes into effect. And that is, we're going to fight everybody.
1: Well, it was initially plan a, and that was the plan Valkyrie made where she's like, all right, Hey, we're going to go in there. We're going to steal Zeus's thunderbolt, you know, and then we're going to get out of there and we're going to be able to go fight Gordon and Thor, you know, with Zeus being his idol, didn't want to do that. He's like, no, 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 we can't do this. I'm sure we can talk to him. I'm sure we can convince him. But as soon as things go south in the worst way possible, you know he's Thor's there, chained, like you said, stark ass naked, and then he looks over towards Valkyrie and and uh, Jane and goes, you know, hey, help! And she, she uh, Valkyrie's like, can we do the initial plan now? And Thor's like, yes, 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 fine. She's like, okay, and she just kind of gets up and they start fighting.
0: Yeah, so there's a big fight between uh, Zeus's soldiers mm-hmm. and Thor's team. Korg's slowing the uptake because they said uh, he
1: goes, what's the signal? Uh, Valkyrie said uh, it'll be go. They just they just go without saying anything. He goes, "Oh, you didn't say go."
0: Yes. So he winds up actually getting destroyed in the process, except his face survives. Yeah. Why pad reasons. reasons. But hey, I'm not mad about it, except there's a weird camera angle where he's yeah. getting spun around like the 360 cam. Yeah, that I was like, okay, that's a little too much, but, yeah. but I understand why. And you're seeing that Thor and company are absolutely decimating these guards to the point where gold blood is flying everywhere, mm-hmm. and that's kind of how they're getting away with a lot of the stuff for the rating that they did. I have to give credit to Rich from 3FN for bringing this up. That's true. But it, it's, it's not exactly as tame as everybody thinks it's going to be here. No. And then this is when you see Thor gets, or Zeus now is finally getting involved he has the thunderbolt which is supposed to be the end-all be-all weapon mm-hmm. it'll stop anybody and he winds up losing it and thor winds up impaling him with mm-hmm. it so this is where zeus is allegedly quote-unquote killed yep they well, i mean it went through his chest presumably that's a kill shot right you would think so but you know it's the gods they're all immortal in some kind of aspect so you see that the team of thor goes and escapes now the city with the thunderbolt in hand because it's the one weapon to stop Gore. yep So during this voyage, it's kind of been a back and forth between Stormbreaker's attention and Mjolnir.
1: Which was fucking hilarious. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, that's
0: one thing that people forget about, too, is Thor's hammers are a weird sentient uh, connection. They're not
1: fully sentient, but they have partial sentience. Yeah. So
0: you're seeing there's a lot of jealousy going on. Holy shit.
1: Yeah. yeah, Stormbreaker's definitely the jealous boyfriend or girlfriend.
0: Yeah. it's It's a wild scenario. So as they're flying into the Shadow Realm, like Thor has to make peace with Stormbreaker.
1: Oh my god! Because there's the one scene. I think it's right after this where they're getting ready to leave, and Thor's talking to Jane, and talking about me only or just everything else. And you just see from the right side of the screen, Stormbreaker slowly ease into the camera, like the jealous ex like the jealous girlfriend. Oh my god, it was incredible.
0: Oh yeah, it was funny. I mean, that's just the small comedic humor that I don't mind with that because it it plays up to it. Grant's a little more exaggerated than the comics, but you know what? That's okay. Like I wasn't mad about that. But that said, on the trip to the Shadow Realm, this is where Thor and Jane get back together. They have the fine, long-awaited talk that they've been waiting for. And this is where Jane finally reveals of her illness to Thor. And Thor is... Really sitting there, and just you know, you see that emotional moment in him that mm-hmm. it's now sinking in that Jane is dying and there's nothing to yeah. do about it. Yeah, because she reveals that she originally picked up Mullner as a way to cure her cancer, it's not doing it, it's actually killing
1: her. Well, did she reveal it, or was it a slip of the tongue and she said it? Because she says it and then goes, No, wait, I didn't mean that. Uh, uh. Well, it's
0: it's it kind of it's a catch 22 because yeah. I think it was a partial reveal and then she realized what she said and then tried backing out of it. Because at this point, they're just putting all the cards on the table because this could be it for them, as they know, there, there's no chance that they know that they're going to beat Gore. They just have an option to go into the Shadow Realm. Where they go in and this is where everything goes to black and white mm-hmm. and this is where Gore is on his home turf and they're fighting as valiantly as they can. Yeah. But it's not really working out in their favor. Yeah, now they're a little outclassed. They definitely are because what they eventually find out is this has been a trap all along to get Stormbreaker, mm-hmm. because Stormbreaker is the key to opening the gates to Eternity.
1: Mjolnir can't make portals with the uh, Bifrost. Stormbreaker can.
0: Right, and with Eternity, who is one of the most cosmic figures in all the MCU comics universe, it is a big deal to see that entity on screen. That was cool. It is very cool because the whole deal is Gore wants to do one wish. If you're if you're able to get to Eternity, Eternity will grant you the one yep. wish. Yep. So he wants to kill all gods. So during this point, you see that Gore is getting the upper hand. Mm-hmm. He is now taking out Valkyrie, who's been really hurt. She thought she was dying yeah. on the field of Val- or to go to Valhalla, but it turns out no. She winds up getting taken away from the, the main fight. Jane Foster is left very, very sick because she is now on the last time she uses her Thor, she, she will not survive it. Mm-hmm. So she is now taken away. Thor is going back to just go on his own and to finish the job because basically they cannot do this. Right. And the, the simple fact is now after the Shadow Realm, they had to go back.
1: Right, because the thing is is when they went to leave the Shadow Realm and they were back on Earth, there was a, you know, uh, what was it, Valkyrie and Jane got out of there. Mm-hmm. But there was a struggle between Thor and Gore with Stormbreaker. Right. And there was a moment, and kudos to the, the way they shot this and the way it was edited with the visual effects, the, the Bifrost went up and there was a moment where you went, wait a minute, did Thor make it out with Stormbreaker? Did he leave with it? Who's got it? And then you just see from, because from, the camera's facing Gore's back, and then that's when he just pulls out Stormbreaker and I went, ah, shit.
0: Yep, so now they're back on Earth and obviously Jane and Thor uh, have that final talk and Thor is just saying, listen, you can't do this anymore. Like, you, if you do it one more time, you're going to die. And
1: I can't deal with that.
0: And he's like, I, I can't deal with this. And this is where she reluctantly says, you know, you're going to have to, you're going to go, fine, go, just kick his ass and bring home the kids. That's all you can do because yeah. he really has no other allies he can go with. But he just has the one option of the Thunderbolt. Mm-hmm. So he is now going into Eternity's uh, Sanctuary Yep, that's on the Shadow Realm. Yep, Mule, or uh, Stormbreaker is now being used to open the portal. Mm-hmm and he basically has a choice of what he is going to do with gore because now he has to go save the kids and decides to do one of the more unique sequences I think I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah. Pat, you want to break it down?
1: Yeah, so he rescues the kids, and then he imbues the kids temporarily, he makes a note of saying, Mm -hmm. uh, temporarily imbues all of the kids with uh, the power of Thor. So they, they then start glowing with yellow eyes, and their hair's yellow and everything else. Uh, looking like a bunch of Super Saiyans. And then they start, he goes, all right, go find a weapon. So literally just the rubble and stuff on the ground, they pick up and they start using his weapons.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a fun sequence. Like that's the one thing you got to remember too. And especially the sounds of the best half of November Rain by Guns N' Roses. Yes. One thing that you will know coming out of this movie is if you don't have appetite for destruction in your uh, CD music collection, you should get it and obviously use your Illusion 1 and 2 by Guns N' Roses. Because that is basically the soundtrack of this movie. And where they placed it yeah. to was perfect. Because this was definitely the big fight sequence. The kids were holding their own. Yeah. Thor is now going up against Gore. And he is coming out on the losing end for a degree. hmm Because Thor is just getting overpowered. But then we see Jane Foster uses her hammer one last time.
1: Yeah, because it's this weird sequence where, like, she's partially feeling it looks like. But also seeing what's going on with him.
0: Mm-hmm. And because obviously the connection was made by Thor way back when to Mjolnir to watch over Jane, so mm-hmm. there is also like that connection through the hammer with them. Right. So the hammer is now feeling the pain that Thor is going through. This ag- this connects with Jane. Jane just says, "Listen, if I'm going to die, let me die a hero." Right. So now she makes it into the Shadow Realm. She's the one who winds up saving the day. They do destroy the Necro Sword, mm-hmm. but then they now go through the realm portal to Eternity. Yep. And this is where Gore is ready to make his wish to save his daughter who died.
1: Like, he's at the feet of eternity. Like, basically all he needs to do is open his mouth.
0: Yeah. Well, like I say, he's 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 sitting there, which he has the option about killing all the gods. But then he gets talked into reviving his daughter. Mm-hmm. Like, that's where the wish gets changed. And that's, it was kind of an interesting way that they did this because Gore had been so convinced about killing all the gods that he almost forgot the reason why. Right. Because he was possessed by the Necrosword and then right. and, and the symbiote that was controlling it. So it's a weird kind of flip on the play. I thought they rushed it maybe just a little bit because yeah, to a degree. Yeah. Because to a degree, because this Jane Foster is dying. She's now back in human form. There's a lot going on. Yeah, there's a lot happening in the scene. And you're seeing Eternity is just sitting there, Gore is sitting there, and Thor is just pleading, he's like, Why wouldn't you bring your daughter back? Right. And Gore is just saying, What, you're not gonna try stopping me again? And he goes, No, because you know what, I love her and I'm gonna spend the rest of my time with her.
1: Um, he's like, I'm tired of this shit.
0: Yeah, like literally he says it. He's just like, I'm tired, like I don't care. Like, do whatever you're gonna do. And this does connect with Thor with uh Gore. Gore which yeah. which is a weird sequence. But I mean, kudos a Christian Bale, because he the facial expressions he's mm-hmm. doing this, you're seeing the confliction that he's had yeah. because the whole reason that he's wanted to kill all the gods is for revenge for his daughter. Right. And Thor puts it in his head, like, listen, you can bring her back. You might not live because we all know the Necrosword was killing him the entire time. So he was on borrowed time as well. But he's like, if you want to do one thing, bring your daughter back. And and Gore basically says, all right, but here's the deal. You have to take care of her. And and Thor agrees. Yeah, he goes, done. Because they were always talking about him and Jane having a family at one point too. Right. And just never came to be because of their careers. So at this point, Gore does make the wish to bring back his daughter. Mm Mm-hmm. And he winds up dying. The kid is now brought back to life. Yep. And this is where the movie basically ends.
1: It starts to wrap up, yeah.
0: Yeah, because now you see the epilogue where Korg has regenerated his body. <laughs> and, and I'll let you break this down, Pad. So
1: at one point during the movie, Korg brings up how his race uh, reproduces, you know, I'll, I'll say. Mm. And he, he talks about how, you know, one being of his race and another being of his race fall in love. They go stand over a pit of lava for, I forget how long. And then eventually they make, a, they make a child. Well, he's found, you know, a, a, a partner and he started a family with that partner. And that partner's name is Dwayne. Yeah. As in Dwayne, the, the rock, rock Johnson. Johnson. God, that was amazing. Oh,
0: that was, that's such a subtle like Easter egg, but it was so funny just because they wanted to give a shout out to Dwayne. And you see that Corg is now starting his family, so he's away. Jane Foster is now being remembered with a huge statue, giant in New York, fucking statue, and rightfully so. And you're seeing that Valkyrie is now training with Sif, who mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still surprised she still lost her arm. Like she yeah. did, she lost in the battle with Gordon. I know yep. it's, it's not a major point, but since we're talking about it now, I'm surprised they didn't do like a cybernetic attachment. They might later. I think they're going to later. They might
1: later because if you, like you remember, Attack of the Clones, Anakin had like the real shitty hand. Mm -hmm. At the end of it, that was like basically looked like just like a Terminator hand without the skin. Yeah. But then by the next one, he had like a proper cybernetic hand.
0: Yeah, because I definitely think they're going to be doing that. They probably will. But you're seeing that they're now training the kids because, well, if this is ever going to happen again, at least they'll be ready to fight. Yeah. And this plays right into Valkyrie's uh, forte because she is a fighter. She's not a politician, but she has played the role as being queen of uh, New Asgard. So this is a fun little sequence seeing them going on. Uh, they did have their basketball jerseys, mm-hmm. which was New Asgard Kings. That was good. That was very fun. I, I, I had a good laugh with that. I mean, what can I say about that? Like, yeah. I, I could definitely see people rocking a throwback jersey of, of the New Asgard Kings. Wouldn't
1: surprise me if they start selling it at like the Avengers Campus uh, in Disney.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm so down for that. And then you do see that Thor is now left New Asgard, mm-hmm. and he is raising love, yep. as the child is known as. Yep. Uh, and they are now going around uh, saving the, the universe, as yeah. as the original plight was with the Guardians of the Galaxy. And we do find out that they are now known as Love and Thunder. Uh-huh. Because Love is using Stormbreaker. Yep. And Thor is now using Milner. Mjolnir, yep. So it's kind of a very cool sequence to see, and that's how the the movie ends. And then we get to the bonus scenes
2: Mm -hmm. because, well, it's a
0: Marvel movie, so this is what they do. Of course. And the first bonus scene, and this is the one that makes probably the most fan reaction I've heard, Mm -hmm. and I've got my theories about it, is we see Thor, or Zeus rather, is talking to his council and basically saying, I will never be dis." Disrespected like this. The gods mm-hmm. should be feared. We should not be. We're a laughing stock. Yeah, this will not fly. Yeah. So you now have your mission. He's talking to somebody in, in the shadows. I
1: thought he would set Hades for a minute, which I went, oh shit.
0: Yeah, well, I wasn't sure where he was exactly going, but we do find out that he was talking to his son, Hercules. The one and only Hercules. Uh huh. So this was kind of a wild sequence to see. Brett Goldstein is playing Hercules. And where he is now going to fit in the MCU, I have my theory, so I'm just going to say it right now. Time to call Kratos. Sorry, wrong wrong franchise. Oh, that would be a dope franchise, but he's going to be part of that Dark Avengers-Thunderbolts team. Probably, yeah. That, the, that'd make a lot of sense. The way I see it, and I immediately thought this too, is he is going to fill in the Ares role yeah. that was on the Dark Avengers squad. Yeah, yeah. And depending on how they're going to spin it in, with Thunderbolts, because I think you're going to see a good amalgam of both. Right that I think that that's where he's going to fit in.
1: Well, and with as connected as Zeus is, and rightfully, and well, I don't want to say rightfully so, but like understandably so, how connected Zeus is, and just, like, if, if Zeus comes up to any of the gods and asks them a question, as pissed off as he is, do you real, realistically think any of them are going to say no? No. He's going to figure out where Thor likes to hang out and the new Asgard's on Earth. He's going to send Hercules to Earth, Hercules is going to end up making a bunch of noise and causing a whole bunch of havoc. And that's when he'll get recruited to the Dark Avengers.
0: Yep. That's how I fully agree. Like, that's what's going to happen. So whenever that movie project comes out, you heard it here first. Yeah. And then the final bonus scene is just a fitting end to Jane Foster's character where she now arrives at Valhalla. Mm -hmm. She's greeted by an old friend. Yeah. The one and only Heimdall. Played by Idris Elba. And she has now earned her right in Valhalla as a Valkyrie. Yeah, which this is not a shock if you read the comics because she currently is featured in a uh, series or just it might have just wrapped up right. where Jane Foster is Valkyrie. Well, and also just if you pay attention
1: to towards the end of the movie where she dies, you know she doesn't just lay there like a, a human would. She starts to fade away and disappear into that like mystical glowing stuff like you see Odin did in the last movie. Mm-hmm. So even I was sitting there like, oh, she's going to Valhalla, cool. Yeah. So,
0: that being said, the movie had a lot going on with it. Yeah, it did. Uh, Love and Thunder, I did not think was going to be a, a team. But you know what was actually a cool part, too? Yeah. The actress who played uh, Love? Yeah. Chris Hemsworth's child. You know, I was wondering that. Yeah. But I didn't look. Yeah, no, I was told Ron from 3FN messaged me okay. about that right okay. after, and he was like, and I'm that is just that awesome. makes That
1: makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, it definitely does. So, it was a fun little nod, and, and to see that all happen, you know, it gave a nice little fun story ending to the movie. Mm-hmm. Like I said, yeah. like I say, I'm not sure where they're going with it after this. Yeah, no, I don't either. Because, I mean, there's a lot of Thor stories they could go with. Oh, yeah. I'd love to see them do some Donnie Kate stuff to just put it out there in the universe. But to do the Jason Aaron story, which everybody really knows, and take their twist on it, you know, like I say, a lot of comic fans didn't really like it because it was too humorous. And I understand that point, but this is also a different universe, and we have to remember that when we watch this the way that they are portraying Thor in those solo movies is more like the jock at school with the heart of gold. He's not going to be the stoic mm-hmm. you know, uh, warrior that we've all seen. He's him. not going to be the strong silent type. No, he's not. But I think there's a lot of potential where they could go with this. And depending on if they want to add love to whatever Young Avengers project they want to do. Safe bet. I would say it's probably going to be a safe bet, but we have to wait and see because I don't know exactly where this is going to go. This felt like more like a standalone movie than part of It's All Connected, even though the bonus scene does connect. I'm I'm thinking it's a very cool way just to end it because there were so many good performances in this with Christian Bale and Natalie Portman. Like I said, they stood out. Chris Hemsler did Chris Hemsler thinks, but that's not a bad thing. Like, if you're a fan of Ragnarok, you're going to love this movie. And I'm definitely a fan of Ragnarok. So... The question that I'm going to pose to you, Pat. I mm-hmm. mean, well, first, let me let me hear your final thoughts on this movie. Uh,
1: really good movie. ton of fun, you know, that I enjoyed from start to finish. And, you know, it was a fun summer movie. You know, it wasn't the best movie of all time, but it wasn't the worst movie of all time. It's kind of right in the middle. It was
0: enjoyable. So since the MCU has kicked off this phase, Black Widow, Shang-Chi, yeah. Spider-Man No Way Home, yeah. Doctor Strange, uh, Multiverse of Madness, mm-hmm. uh, Eternals, um, Where do you put this movie in that ranking now?
1: Uh, So for me, number one is Spider-Man No Way Home. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number two, I would have to say is Shang-Chi, just Mm -hmm. because it was so different. It was so much fun, and the action sequences were phenomenal. Uh, I would put this one, uh, number three. I would put Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, number four. I'd put Black Widow, number five, and then I would put uh, Eternals, number six.
0: I have the same list, except I would flip-flop Doctor Strange in this movie. Okay.
1: Now, I I can see myself doing that depending on the day of the week and, like, whatever's going on. I can see them very easily switching.
0: Yeah, Eternals is, like, number 98 for me. I'm going to say there's two episodes of What If that I didn't really care for as much. But I'm just going to put that out there because everyone's asking, like, why my uh, ranking was so high for uh, Eternals on the negative scale. But, no, I, I agree. Like, I think this movie is, like, a good middle of the road, so to speak, for what you're expecting, it's a good summer movie. It's a good action movie. It's got a lot of humor, which, like I say, you're you're gonna love seeing, especially when you see obviously Matt Damon and Melissa McCarthy yeah. and Luke Hemsworth. I, forget, yeah, I keep yeah. forgetting that he's the one who plays Thor in the movies. Yep. You know, do their little comedic twist. Like, there's fun elements to this, which I can't stress enough. If you're a comic reader, you might not connect with this much, right. and I fully get that. And you know what? I'm I lean more towards that side than not. But for me like this movie finally started going when they were heading to the Shadow Realm. Like that like it took a while for me to really invest in it. Like otherwise I thought that this has been some of the same old stuff we've seen from Marvel, but I thought by the end of the movie it really started picking in because the one area that I thought they they didn't really show until we got to the midway point of the movie was how much of a badass gore was. Mm-hmm. Because you know more in the comics... Right. ...but I thought they they really cut it short at the beginning. Like, it was alluded to, but... Right. ...until you see it...
1: Well, I mean, that was the thing, is, like, he was killing all these gods, but, like, why do it if it's a whole bunch of gods we've, we've never heard of? Exactly. You know, like, unless it's not Greek gods or Norse gods that, like, we're familiar with outside of the MCU, why waste time?
0: Exactly. No, I fully agree with you about that. So, I... I, but I thought, though, if they at least gave it like a quick video montage. Sure. Like, you know, it doesn't have to be that long, but at least enough that I can see, oh, this guy's really a badass. Mm-hmm. Because you only really saw that when they came to the Shadow Realm and he was wasting everybody away. The, the battle on New Asgard was not as intense. Right. But it was when they got to the Shadow Realm then you really saw Gore's power. So I thought that that might have been like the only real drawback. But I thought for what they were trying to do, it really gave a nice. Homage to the Jason mm-hmm. Aaron story. Like I said, his, his work on Thor is, is tremendous. Mm-hmm. One of the best writers to ever do it. And now we wait and see where we go with his new direction. But I think the MCU definitely had a big hit on their hands. I think a lot of people are talking more positive than negative about it. But it's definitely one that's a little polarizing with some fans. I definitely will say that from some of the conversations we've had. So that being said, ODPH Society, this is where I pose to you. Thor Love and Thunder. Did you love it? Did you hate it? And why? Let's talk about it. I definitely want to know your rankings, too, with the MCU films. We've talked to a bunch of our fellow content creators. Everybody's got kind of a different list for it. I have it at four, Pat has it in three, but let me know where you rank Thor Love and Thunder with it as well. So that being said, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You ever wondered what comics
1: Mark from Vale of is into? What Zach from Left Behind's favorite MCU movies are? Well, Metal Nerds is the show for you. My name is Sean Mott, and here at Metal Nerds, we cover the latest things in pop culture, whether it be Star Wars, Marvel, DC, AEW, and everything else in between. You can listen to the show every Monday on Adobe Howl at 7 p.m. Eastern or find it anywhere you find podcasts after it debuts on the radio station.
0: Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and we have to recap the season finale of Season 1 of Disney Plus and Marvel Studios' new smash hit, Miss Marvel. Mm -hmm. The adventures of Kamala Khan has been one that has definitely been a nice refresh of the MCU. It's a fun hyper-energy, all-ages show that has definitely captured everybody's attention, and going into the season finale, there's a lot of buzz going around with this. Mon Valani has been playing Kamala Khan, and she has been absolutely crushing in the role, and where we are going now... Oh, that season finale gave a lot to discuss, so, Pad, let's keep it spoiler-free statement, and then let's do the breakdown.
1: Uh, Despite the fact that last week felt like a season finale, the actual season finale was a lot of fun. You know, great action sequences and, oh boy, some stuff I don't even want to mention because I don't want to spoil it.
0: Uh, No, I really enjoyed it. Definitely picked up the steam, definitely caught some of the magic it had from the first episode, I will say, and reminded you that Kamala Khan is still a growing superhero. Mm Mm-hmm. That she's not polished. She no. is in that year one phase, as we like to say, because she just got her powers. So some of the action sequences going on, you might be sitting there and going, wait, I don't know if I exactly buy this. But you have to remember, the show is fun. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's high energy. It's, it's, you know, it's, a, it's a true entertaining experience. Yeah. And then you get to the end half of the show and the two big moments that are definitely having fans buzzing. There's a lot to break down with it, but if you haven't seen this episode, you definitely need to. It is well worth the watch. I thought they really ended things on a very strong note and definitely have me excited for Season 2 when that is coming. Because mark my words, it's a matter of when, not if. That being said, let's talk some spoilers. So in the liner notes, you know where we're pausing, so Pad, in three, two, one. talk to me.
1: I thought it was a really fun episode. It was a lot of good action sequences, and I love the story. And I'm excited to see where this goes from here because, yo boy.
0: The fact that the word mutant got dropped, well, or mutation. Mutation. And they played the theme song of the X-Men cartoon. Did they? A little bit. There's a subtle, uh, okay. there's a subtle. I have subtle, to go, have to go dun, back and look. It's a da I did not catch that. Yeah, I re-watched and I, I. Admittedly, it was
1: like 7 in the morning when I was watching it this morning, so I, I probably missed it.
0: It's super quiet. but I mean, it's super subtle, but I caught it and I went, Oh, Oh, here we go. Because this whole season has been a very good one introducing Kamala Khan to the MCU fans. And um, what I mean by that is the pop culture audience, the cinematic fans. The comic fans already know who she is, and she is one of the most popular characters right now, has had a very high profile in the comic books and even stretching to the uh, Square Enix video game. So a lot of hype has been going on with the show, and this one you got to remember it's in the middle of summertime, too. A lot of people are, are traveling on vacation. A lot of people are just spending time to binge watch as well, too. Mm-hmm. So when you're hearing stuff about, oh, the ratings are low, they're still generating ratings, folks. So don't get worried about that. Views are still good for this show. It was expected to be Avengers level? No. And I think if anybody's really expecting it to be, no. But it's still doing very well, so that's why I feel feel very comfortable talking about Season 2. And the whole journey of Kamala Khan in now getting her powers through a magical bangle and getting the backstory of her family and how it came to be in her possession and Mm -hmm. the the powers that be, which I'm going to stress, I'm going to say this a lot during this segment, I still can't get over the take that they've done with damage control. Yeah, I re- I this is probably the, weird. the biggest hang up I have. And being an old school comic fan, damage control is comic relief. Mm-hmm. Like they're not shield. They're, they're no. a subversion, but it's always humorous. Like, oh, we just had a couple buildings come down because the Hulk went rampaging. Here we go. Building back in the day reasons. So to see them be this elite fighting force. Is a little wild in my opinion.
1: I mean I can tell you to, I can tell you it is weird to me too, you know, just because I'm not as familiar with them from the comics as you are, but they were featured on some of the more recent Marvel animated projects. But they were exactly what you described. They're called in when the battles get crazy and stuff gets destroyed and they're there to rebuild it. You know, but I think what it could be I think it could be a case of let's not make them total comic relief. Let's put a little bit of a modern spin on it. And let's face it, the where Shield is or if it exists at this point in the MCU is still up for debate. You know, yeah. you can have that debate. We've yet to hear SHIELD mentioned. We know Sword is a thing. We know Swords in Space doing their whole thing. But we've yet to hear a word or a mention of SHIELD. You know, so maybe it's just for the time being damage control given the name, they're doing damage control for stuff. They're taking the place of SHIELD.
0: Well the SHIELD was in one division though. Were they? Oh yeah they were yeah they were. Yeah they were so I stand
1: corrected. Yeah so maybe it's just damage control stepping in and trying to take the place of shield a little
0: yeah bit. like i say it's just it's puzzling about that though like that's the only thing that throws me for a curveball so is but you're right though cuz shield just had a very low profile mm-hmm. probably cuz they're waiting for the be- the big shield reveal to come during secret invasion so i understand that point like i'm i'm not going to dispute that but you're right though i mean it's just such a weird take and like this is uh, an element that i'm still in the story i'm still invested yeah but i have to suspend the idea that damage control is shield because it, it's just not computing. But where we jump into this episode a lot has been going on. We obviously saw uh, Kamala and her family went over to Pakistan to get the information from her uh, grandmother about the the Bengal. There was the fight with the clandestine who had been tracking her down as a way to open up the veil of Noor mm-hmm. to get back to their own dimension, even though that was going to separate the worlds and destroy everybody involved. Yeah. But this is where the power of Najma uh, was transferred over mm-hmm. to her son, Kareem. Yep. And, or Cameron, rather. And this is where he is now back in New Jersey with uh, Kamala's best friend, Bruno. Yep. And he's dying because he can't control the power that's been given to him because after his mother died, this has now made the Bruno's apartment explode.
1: Say, unsurprisingly, she didn't leave him with uh, an instruction booklet.
0: No, no. It's just been kind of thrown to him. So you're seeing Cameron is struggling to survive. Damage control has been chasing them the entire time. Yep. So now they're on the run. And by the time Kamala gets back, there's a lot of stuff going on because mm-hmm. you're you're seeing that damage control is like very, very intense mm-hmm. about capturing Kamala mm-hmm. and capturing these superpowered villains.
1: They got they got a real interest in her and the villains.
0: Yeah, like it's kind of crazy to see that uh Deaver, mm-hmm. who's played by Elisa Rayner, is so like focused about tr- like getting them at like all costs. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's an insane thing for me to see. And this is just like, okay, I don't understand the backstory of like why she's so intense. That it's basically we're rounding up all superhumans. Like it was during the civil war, right. um, the registration act yeah. that was going on there. And it's like, we haven't int- introduced that now since civil war, I'm not sure what the status is with that. So yeah, it, it, it's, one of those things. Yeah. It, it's really tough to figure out. But now you're seeing that Bruno and Cameron are on the run and the city the doom doom or damage control i'm not saying doom control damage control is like running crazy mm. like kicking in doors looking for
1: Let's them so they're bringing in swat teams drones missiles guns the whole the whole nine
0: yeah and it's just kind of crazy of just how how deaver is just so like focused on this like it's it's wild to me but you're doing seeing Kamala does catch up with her best friend nakia and you're seeing that they're basically trying to figure out okay how are we going to you know make sense of this because this is now a situation where Kamala is now getting her official costume from her mother. Which is awesome. Yeah, because we have, we have to remember, and I know I jumped ahead a little bit, Kamala does reveal herself to her family. Yep. So now the entire family knows that she is the superpower being they've been seeing Well, she the told her
1: parents, and then she was going to tell her brother and her sister-in-law. But the mother was telling the father over the, over the phone, and the father had his phone on speakerphone. Because oh, speakerphone is just so convenient. Mm-hmm. So it's so nice. And they overheard, so they kind of put two and two together and figured it out. Yeah. Kind of ruined the moment
0: for Kamala. Right. So at this point, though, she has her costume. She goes out looking for Bruno and Cameron who are on the run. Because, like using said, her
1: powers to run over the tops of buildings.
0: Yeah. It's also like this uh, cool homage to Spider-Man. A little bit. If you think about it, when Spider-Man used to go swing over everybody's head, yeah. they'll be like, oh, look up. It's Spider-Man.
1: Thought it was hilarious that she was like two or three stories up in the air, well over anything, and yet still stopped for the red light.
0: Yeah. Thought that was funny. Well, that's just – it plays into her character. I mean, Kamala Khan is just one of the most e- e- connecting characters, just of her innocence and just like her true heroism. Like, that is just something that just resonates through from her in the comics. So I, I thought it was a cool touch, though, as they said, because now she's finally catching up with Bruno and Cameron. They're making up the plan. She has her best friend now involved. So this is now going to get a little crazy. And she does recruit a few other people on the way to the school mm-hmm. because her brother Amir gets involved. Yep. Zoe, the girl that she originally saved in episode one, yeah, is now turned into that. It's a weird Flash Thompson parallel, a little bit, because before that they were not friends. That uh, Zoe was kind of the quote unquote mean girl. Yeah. She's now all on board. Yeah. And she's like, "You saved my life. I, I'm going to help of you. Of
1: course, I'm going to be there for you."
0: Yeah. So after they escape, um, where they're originally com- damage control is coming through with the mosque. They're now at the school and they devise a plan that tell me if I'm wrong and I'm not mad about this uh-huh did this have like a scooby-doo vibe to you a little bit yeah just borrowed bar- a little bit just a hair but it wasn't bad like yeah, like I said yeah. I but it goes back to she's still a high school teenager that is now thrown into the superhero world. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing to be a fan of it, but until you're really into it and you got to right. figure out like, right. Hey, we have people trained with guns that are kicking in doors looking for us and we're yeah. trying to escape at all means.
1: So they're planting C4 on fucking doors.
0: Yeah. Like like that's the thing is they were showing
1: up to the school. That was C4. They're putting on the door.
0: Yeah. Like Good it, Lord. and how crazy is that? And then you see Deaver's boss is calling saying like, stop what you're doing. Stand down, you know, wait for us to get there. Don't do
1: anything. And she basically says, yeah, fuck that.
0: Yeah. Like it's just a wild scenario going on here because basically they're Trapped inside the school, they're trying to get to the harbor because Kamala did call up uh, Kareem, who is back in Pakistan, who can help get Mm -hmm. Cameron some help controlling his powers. But they have to get him to a harbor. But now they're they're pinned in a high school. They do set up. It it almost like reminded me of some like wacky 80s movie where you, yeah. you have the escape plan going yeah. on because yeah at one point you see like the exploding volcano foam takes out people <laughs> you're seeing the definitely soft, a home alone vibe yeah you're seeing the the softball machines are holding back the guards at, at another point like there's some very cool elements as this highly dramatic scene is your sequence is going on you're seeing that Kamala and Kareem or Cameron almost kiss and you know like they're having the romance story and Bruno walks in on them and then he Bruno winds up to be in the distraction so they can escape, so he gets arrested. You see the softball sequence, like I talked yeah. about, and you see that, well, they block the one door because they're shooting balls, Yep. but then you see Nakia, Amir, and Zoe get arrested, mm-hmm. and they get taken out. Very forcefully. Yes. So, yeah, I know Damage Control is not pulling any punches. About no, they're not. Too. So then you finally get to the big moment of the show, mm-hmm. or I should say the start of it, mm-hmm. and you see that when Kamala and and Cameron get outside. Yep. You see the Deaver who has already been like taken out at, at any situations, they don't give him a lot of time to surrender. And this is with an entire
1: crowd there because Zoe, the one girl who's got like a big social media presence, put out a video on TikTok, I think, yep. put a video out, out on TikTok basically saying, hey, if you're in here, come down to the school. This X, Y, and Z is what's going on. So everyone shows up. So there's this massive crowd of people there watching everything that's going on, including Kamala's parents.
0: Yes. And this is something that I thought was very smart to do, especially in the digital age. Yeah. You put out yeah. that you're in trouble and look at what's happening and get down there. And it, you, if you don't think the social media can spread, this is a prime example. Yeah. Because <laughs> there was a few thousand people down there. And this was very quickly, and especially for Damage Control's higher-ups who were like, listen, you do realize you're surrounding a school with military Mm -hmm. weapons here. You're
1: blowing the door off with C4. You're going in with basically a, a militarized SWAT team.
0: Yeah. So it is an absolute crazy thing going on during this stage. So they finally get outside. Now, note, this is after Kamala Tell's cameron about his mom's dying yeah and this is all reason like there's no point to go back thought they
1: were going to go the whole sam raimi uh spider-man route with it and go oh i'm really angry about my mom being dead and then just walk away and i'm like oh we're not about to do this again are we i
0: thought so too thankfully not yeah no no they kept it up because this is where his rage goes and he's still struggling to control his powers but like i said the minute he gets outside he's she goes stand down and he's like still processing it and they start firing Yeah. Which I was like, oh, that's kind of some BS right there. But you see Kamala does extend a shield. She's holding off the bullets. Freaking the fuck out of her parents. Yeah, because the parents are sitting there. And it's like you're seeing it up close. Like everybody that knows Kamala is light girl. Mm Mm-hmm. Or starlight or um, light girl. Or I light think girl was one of yeah. Called. They have the the odd name. Yeah, Star, yeah. starlight's the boys. And that's a whole different story. Uh, you're seeing though, like everybody is now seeing her in action, like really, and she's done all these good yeah. deeds in the neighborhood. Like they all know who she is. She's got a small presence. Yeah, so she's holding them off best they can. Deaver has a sonic bazooka. Yeah, I mean that's the only way I can describe this weapon. Yeah, and she unleashes it, so Cameron goes flying. Yeah, you see, Kam- Kamala goes gets knocked down. Yeah. And during this point, they do touch upon something in the comics. I loved how they did this. And then as she hulks up. Yeah. But it's also where she gets her stretching ability, so to yes. speak. So, Pat, I mean, what did you think about this scene? I thought
1: it was really cool. And it was one of those moments where, like, the music kind of cut out. It was kind of like the way they were f- filming it. I'm like, all right, something big's about to happen here. And then she did it right in front of the friends. I'm like, oh, this is cool.
0: Yeah. Like, it was, it was a very cool sequence to see. And, obviously, Kamala has to make the big save, too, because when all these explosions are going on, because she winds up taking out the, mm-hmm. the sonic bazooka. I mean, that's the only way I can describe that thing. You do see, like, a couple cars go flying, and, obviously, with the powers of Cameron, it's going all over the place because he can't control them. That's something that we also have to remember. Like, he is not exactly in a, a place like Kamala is where she has a better control because of the time she spent with the red daggers. Yeah. He has none, and he is just, they're going all over the place. You're seeing a car fly into the crowd. Kamala makes the big save. Trial by literal fire. Yeah, makes the big save down, and you're seeing that she goes and puts a bubble around him and says basically, listen, you have to get out of here. I will buy you time. Gives him an escape route through the sewers to get to the harbor to go get out of here. So when she is doing this, obviously there's big, you know, like I said, there's like a force blast. She winds up now emerging. So, like I say, everybody's kind of seeing, okay, the threat is over. hmm. Deaver sends everybody after. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. And what I thought was. She's
1: got a grudge. I, there's got to be something else going on with her.
0: Yeah. Like I said, that Alter- was.
1: Because like, I can't just imagine she's got that big of a grudge that she's willing to literally throw the kitchen sink at a child. Yeah. Granted, I get she has superpowers, but this child has had powers for like all of a week, maybe. Yeah. You know, the fact that she's willing to throw the kitchen sink, there's got to be something else going on here.
0: It's got to be like she lost somebody to the yeah. blip and they didn't yeah. come back and she has a, like a hatred for superheroes. Like, they, they, that's the only way they can describe it, really, because like she's, she's been very tough since we've seen her on the show. Right. But I will say that that's a drawback. Like, she is just so like intense about it just uh,
1: and it just from the story we know and what we know from the show it just doesn't make
0: sense no it just it's not really clearing up and we're not
1: and we're not saying that as a bad thing it's just it doesn't make sense why why this is happening and hopefully we'll find out
0: yeah so you do see though as the guards are surrounding kamala you do see that everybody breaks the police barricade and mm-hmm. and the neighborhood surrounds her. Yeah. And you see the police officers also turn on damage control. They're helping the people. Yeah, because this is getting out of control even for their even for them. That they're like, all right, listen, we're fine with keeping the
1: crowd back while you do you, but this is insane.
0: Yeah. So during the sequence, Cleary calls Deaver.
1: Cut the shit. Yeah. Get back. You're, you're re- fired. You're relieved of duty.
0: Yeah, you're relieved of duty. And she reluctantly does it. Meanwhile, Kamala does escape through the skylight because they buy her enough time. She just starts walking, like skywalking away. Yep. And then winds up going back to her house. So, like, it's diffused. There's no charges brought up. Everybody gets out. And you do see that she has a very cool heart to heart moment with her dad. Mm -hmm. And this was just such a dope moment, too, on the show. Like, I got to say, Muhan Kapoor, who plays her father Yusuf, uh, he was great in the sequence. And you do see that he was explaining to Kamala, about, you know, you were a miracle for us. And, mm-hmm. you know, when we came up with your name, that's what it means, you know, it means Marvel. Mm-hmm. And she's and he says, you're our little Miss Marvel.
1: And, she'll, and that's where the name comes from.
0: Yeah, and you see that just, I mean, it, it's a very cool sequence, and he's just saying how much he means to her. You know, or like I say, it's just she means so much to that family, and that's yeah. why I say they've always been overprotective, but they stand by her, and they've accepted now what she's been, you know, becoming a superhero. And then she winds up taking off. And they do have that iconic scene where yeah. she's sitting on top of a skylight. On, the, on, the,
1: on top of a lamp, yeah. You
0: know, and on top of a street lamp, just watching over New York City. And that's how yeah. the show ends until one week. Uh huh. And then this is where everybody is going to be talking about, more so than the episode. But, Pat, before we get into it, I, from here now. Thoughts on the episode?
1: thought it was a really fun episode, all things considered. You know, I thought it was a lot of good action sequences. Interested to see where it goes from here just because, like we said, some of the stuff with damage control in, in, in uh, Deaver, you know, did make a whole lot of sense why she's so gung-ho the way she is, but I hope to find out later. But I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I thought they really hit all the points. I think they really had a cool, unique vibe to the show from point A to point B that I thought was just so much fun to watch. It's all ages. It, this reminds you, you know, when you really get connected with superheroes and why and just seeing the pure caring of the people around them and just, you know, what she's going on to do. It's like you can't get to more superhero one-on-one basic than mm-hmm. this. And I thought it was, I thought it was brilliant. I, I loved how the show ended. I really did. But then we get to the one-week mark. Mm-hmm. And this is where you're hearing a lot of buzz on the Internet, so we're going to give our, our takes about this. We do see that Bruno winds up pulling up in front of – Nakia and Kamala, Mm -hmm. in a car that belongs to Cameron. Mm -hmm. And he's obviously on his way to Caltech, so he's not not sticking around. Well, yeah, Cameron was very well-to-do when he was on the show. Yeah. And we do see that he does have, like, the... You feel like it's the final goodbye. Yeah. And during this sequence, he does say something that mm-hmm. immediately lit the internet on fire today. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, i am more of an analyzing your powers. I don't know necessarily know if it's all from the Bengal.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: There's something to you. In your genes. It's in your genes. It's like a mutation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And at this point, you have to really listen. But you hear the... Like, it's, dun, it's, dun, dun. it's quick. Hmm. But there is the X-Men theme. So now... Congratulations, MCU fans. Mutation is now in the dictionary. We wondered how they'd work it in. Yep. They found a way. All signs point to Kamala Khan being the first mutant mm-hmm. in the MCU. Mm-hmm. So that being said, before we go to the bonus scene, yeah, I'm going to give you my original take on this. Okay. So when we have an X-Men movie, right. and if Kamala is going to be a mutant, so like we're going to say, for all intents and purposes, She's going to be a mutant. Right. I think they're going to pair her on the X-Men team. I could see it. That we see it. And she will be like in the Kitty Pride role. Like, sure. Like when Kitty Pride was originally on the team. Not saying now Marauders, but I'm saying originally as a young team still learning the ways. Yeah. So they're going to take the character into a very different direction. I'm okay with this. Oh, I am too. I'm perfectly fine with this. Give me mutants already. And like I was telling some people on, on uh, DMs too. Like, how do you say you hate Inhumans without saying you hate Inhumans? Yeah, really. Because they have basically Thanos snapped that entire uh-huh. project uh-huh. out of existence. Yep. So will we see Inhumans? I mean, Black Bolt was in Doctor, Bolt Strange. Doctor Strange. Black Bolt was in Doctor Strange. But I think that that will be the, the one of the last times we hear that yeah. word uttered in the MCU for the first of the future. of yeah. future. Like we say, hate might be a strong word for it, but yeah. I, I think that they Marvel has realized the mistake there that was are, made.
1: There are a lot more detractors than lovers. Yes.
0: So, I mean, that being said, I think it's just something you got to keep an eye on for. But I think that, obviously, Pat, you got to be excited about this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the fact that we're going to have mutants, and I think that next week when San Diego Comic-Con rolls around, Marvel Studios does have a time slot hooked up at Hall H. Uh,
1: that's a that's a safe bet.
0: That's a safe bet. We're going to be hearing some casting getting announced, and I think you're going to hear some new projects. I think Marvel is going to come in big, like we talk about coming in hot. They're coming in hot, mm-hmm. and there's going to be the they're going to be the panel to watch next week. I mean, they haven't
1: been there since what 2018, 2019,
0: 2019 since yeah, co- since COVID broke down. It's been, it's been a while. Yeah, so expect a full preview for San Diego Comic Con next week. But for what we're expecting in mutants and uh fantastic four are top of the list for that. Yeah. So get ready for that when it comes, but we're not done with the Miss Marvel episode because then we get a bonus scene, like true MCU fashion. Mm-hmm. And we do see Kamala is in her room. And then suddenly pad, what happens?
1: Well, she flops down on her bed and her mother chastises her. That doesn't sound like science homework being done. I know mom. She gets up. The bangle starts giving off this weird glow and power starts emitting. She gets thrown backwards into the closet and who steps out of the closet? Not Kamala Khan, the one, the only Brie Larson, A.K.A. Carol Danvers.
0: Yep. So Captain Marvel has now returned mm-hmm. to the MCU since so the last time we saw her was Avengers Endgame, and she, she got, was flying off space. She got
1: swapped with uh, with uh, Kamala, so Kamala is now wherever the heck Captain Marvel was. Hopefully, it's not the middle of space. Uh, and now Carol is in Kamala's bedroom and she looks around the bedroom, sees all of the merchandise and all of the photos and all of the, everything slightly overwhelmed and then just walks out of the room.
0: Yeah. So, and we did see the Miss Marvel would return in the Marvel's mm-hmm. movie. So we won't see her until then, but thoughts on that. Uh, I'm going to say right now, I think what we said to this previously on the show, and I think we're sticking to the guns. This is a Cree uh, bangle that she has. Yeah. It's from the Cree technology it could be a transporter. It could be also quantum bands. Like okay. I'm, I'm going to say like you might see some more of that come down. But we were right about it. So there is a connection to the Kree space aliens. And bam, it got hit right on the forefront. So when the Marvels movie comes out, we're, we'll hear a little bit more. I think maybe we might even get a cameo or reference in the actual Secret Invasion show too. What mm-hmm. thoughts on that, Pat? I
1: thought it was a really cool uh, bonus scene. I was not expecting
0: that in the slightest. Yeah, At all. It was awesome. It was awesome. Definitely a lot to, to be excited about. And just to put a bow on this, I mean, Miss Marvel has been a show that you definitely want to check out yeah. on Disney+. Plus. I think that they've hit all the strides they really wanted to. If you weren't familiar with the character, I tell you what, Amon Vellani's performance is going to win you over. And she is going to be, obviously, one of the big heroes to watch moving forward. There's a lot of win with this show, so if you haven't checked it out yet, what are you waiting for, seriously? I mean, I know there's been a lot of content, but Stranger Things is done. I think everybody's caught up. The boys just wrapped up. Yep. So there really is an open playing field right now for shows. So you definitely yeah. want to check that out. And that being said, we have given you our Takes ODPH Society. Now hit us up on yours. We want to know, what did you think about Miss Marvel? Did you love it? Did you hate it? And why? And how about that ending? Keep it spoiler-free until Friday on social media because we don't want to be like everybody else that was spoiling everything today. Which, like I say, let's be better fans about that. But, hey, we have no problems talking on Friday about spoilers and really getting the deep dive going about this. So that being said, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. Have you ever found yourself confused about the current state of the MCU or whatever the hell is happening with the DC universe?
2: Do you often have no idea what the hell the difference is between craft beer and that Bud Ice stuff at the gas station?
0: Well then look, no further. We present to you, Hop's Geek News. We're yet another geek and beer podcast in an already oversaturated market. All right, all right. We
2: drink and we pretend we know things.
0: More often than not, we don't really know things, but we do talk some really great topics and we most definitely can drink.
2: We'll deliver you news and then dive into any random topic you might have never knew you actually were passionate
1: about. With lots of fun facts about beer.
2: And from Marvel to DC and Star Wars, and to why Die Hard is most definitely a Christmas movie.
0: Which it is. Basically anything that our spouses are sick of hearing us talk about. Join us on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts.
2: New
1: episodes weekly. Just search Hops News.
0: Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, Pad, what you got?
1: Got a couple things to talk about, uh, obviously one of which is, as a lot of you know, uh, Prime Day has been going on. Uh, but along with that, there is some video game stuff going on. Yeah, there's, there's some video game deals going on with Prime Day, but specifically with Amazon Gaming. Now, if you are not familiar with what Amazon Gaming is, if you are a Prime subscriber, Amazon Prime uh, member, You go to amazon.gaming.com, and every month they will give you some free stuff for, like, GTA, Red Dead Redemption. Uh, I know Assassin's Creed is one, you know, but a whole bunch of other mobile games and other console games. Uh, But one of the things they're doing as a part of Prime Day, and I'm not sure how long this is going on, so you're going to have to check the site uh, to see how long it is going, but they're giving away uh, 30, count them, 30 PC games, for free with Amazon Prime. Damn. Uh, So just some of the ones I want to mention that are uh, definitely caught my eye uh, that you can get for free uh, if you're an Amazon Prime member are Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Uh, So that is the HD remastered versions of uh, Mass Effect 1, Mass Effect 2, Mass Effect 3. That'll get you like 100 plus hours between the three. Yeah, I was
0: going to say, that's a lot.
1: That's a lot for free. Uh, Also, Need for Speed Heat, uh, Star Wars Jedi Knight Jedi Academy, uh, and Star Wars Jedi Knight 2, Jedi Outcast, and then Star Wars Republic Commando are just some of the ones uh, worth mentioning. Like I said, there's 30 of them. I'm not going to go through all of them, uh, but uh, easily, if you're an Amazon Prime member and you're a PC gamer, you can probably find something over at Amazon uh, Prime Gaming, for something that you can like. It's a good deal.
0: It's a very good deal. I mean, I'm, I've been checking out stuff on Amazon to go add to the yeah. repertoire, if you will. Yeah.
1: Uh, also worth noting, uh, coming out tomorrow as we record is a teaser trailer for the upcoming Lord of the Rings Ring of Power series watching that. on Amazon Prime. I am damn it. <laughs> super excited for this, so I'm sure we'll break it down next week. But if you can't wait till next week to hear the breakdown and kind of figure out what the hell is going on, I do highly recommend the YouTube channels Nerd of the Rings and then The Broken Sword. They're probably two of the best Lord of the Rings lore news youtube channels out there mm-hmm. and, and and i find their content very good you know it's a lot of fun they're very knowledgeable they got a lot they got a lot of good breakdowns especially nerd of the rings they do like where were this where this character's travels like bilbo and gandalf and like you can see where they go and everything you know so it's, it's great stuff so if you want to see kind of like an idea or maybe some theories and speculation i recommend those two youtube channels but super excited for this trailer tomorrow
0: yeah, no, this has definitely got me a little hyped up. I mean, I'm not as big of a fan of the franchise as you are, but I'm sure. still excited to check it out.
1: Oh, I'm very excited. Uh, also of note, uh, some uh, Marvel MCU news. It was announced by the folks over at the Hollywood Reporter that Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio are returning for the Marvel series
0: Echo. Let's go. Uh,
1: the article reads, quote, Marvel Studios has some devilish plans in store for Echo, the upcoming Disney Plus series currently filming in Atlanta. Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio, who have portrayed classic Marvel Comics characters Daredevil and Kingpin, respectively, have joined the series, which stars Hawkeye breakout, uh, uh, Alakwa Cox, and Maya Lopez. Or, excuse me, as Maya Lopez, Marvel has no co- had no comment. Uh, the move is the latest sign of Marvel Studios' efforts to bring popular characters from netflix's now defunct marvel shows such as daredevil into the fold sources say echo will include a plot line in which daredevil whose alter ego is blind attorney matt murdoch is searching out a former ally uh podcast the weekly planet has reported that an that ally is jessica jones another marvel character who top-lined her own netflix series and was played by kristen ritter if ritter as jones does indeed make an appearance in echo that would leave, uh, leave luke cage iron fist and the punisher as the street level crime fighters still have to be reintroduced to the into the marvel cinematic universe close quote so fuck yes give it to
0: me yeah let's go i mean obviously this is a reputable site so i am buying in on this obviously so the fact that we got the denofrio back that is not a shock to really anybody no because he ties in much much that echoes uh, history as a character and obviously if she's getting her spin off show you knew he's gonna be connected oh absolutely same thing with Matt Murdock I mean obviously this is a big deal Charlie Cox is officially back we do know that there is a project in the works involving Daredevil at Disney plus so to what degree we don't know the Jessica Jones take is a little crazy I mean I'm not saying it's out of the realm of thought but I'm not sure exactly if mm-hmm. that would be the place I know they've
1: been I know some of the actors have been hanging out recently
0: yeah which I think that If memory serves me right, Kevin Feige really wanted to get uh, Kristen Ritter back. I've I've heard the rumors, yeah. Because I know before when she was done with Netflix, I don't think she was originally slated to come back. She
1: didn't sound, you know. Whereas Charlie Cox, you know, and and John Bernthal, and some of the and Vincent D'Onofrio were open to the idea. She did not sound so open.
0: No, she definitely did not. She had more of a Natalie Portman vibe to it. Yeah. So, but obviously, Kevin Feige has been able to pull off a lot of things as we've seen. So. Kristen Ritter coming back here would not be out of the realm of thought. I would not even doubt seeing her maybe as a cameo on She-Hulk. I know nobody's really talking about that right now, but you never know. Like I say, I could see her going there too because I believe there is a connection from the comics as well.
1: Uh, Also of note, in terms of Marvel stuff, it was announced just the other day, uh, according to Deadline, that Solo star, uh, the Han Solo movie star, uh, Alden Einrich has landed a key role in the upcoming series. Uh, So reading from an article on IGN.com, it says, "According according to Deadline, Einrich has become the latest member of the Ironheart Ensemble and will star alongside previously announced cast members Dominique Thorne, Anthony Ramos, Lyric Ross, and Manny Montoya uh thorn is headlining the series as riri williams a genius inventor and creator of the most advanced suit of armor since iron man uh so no word who einrich is playing yet but lord if it's being announced like this you gotta figure it's some major important role
0: yeah i will say i gotta give credit to mash from a hops Geeks news. Mm-hmm. he said zeke stain Ooh. i fully i'm there dude i if you haven't read matt fractions run on uh Iron Man yeah that is one and when he introduced that character listen that's perfect casting I think they should do it obviously we know Riri is taking over the mantle of Iron Man in the MCU so th- it makes perfect sense to me let it happen mm-hmm. I'm I'm, comp- I'm ten 10,000 percent down for this so shout out to the match for, uh, for calling that shot
1: absolutely uh and then the trailer got dropped last week for something I didn't know was coming but once I saw it I went I need this in my life. And that is the upcoming docu-series to Disney plus light and magic. Ooh. Uh, it is a six part documentary series that starts streaming on July 27th on Disney plus uh, basically given the story of industrial light and magic, which was the special effects company started by George Lucas when he was working on the first star Wars movie, which has come become the, I would say in my opinion, the preeminent visual effects company in all of Hollywood that, you know, they've done work on the pirates of the Caribbean movies, the transformer films, uh what was it? avengers movie some of the marvel movies obviously star wars you know they've worked on so many movies over the years that like nine times out of ten odds are if there's special effects in the movie it's probably done by industrial light magic there's Mm -hmm. a a couple other good ones out there but industrial light magic are kind of the kings. they're the brand they're they're the brand they're the kings uh but so that is going to be dropping on july 27th and it's got the likes of george lucas is going to be in it steven spielberg ron howard uh what was it um Oh, I'm blanking on the name. Directed Iron Man. Worked on... Favreau? Yeah, thank you. John Favreau's involved. You know, Kathleen Kennedy's going to be in it. So it's going to... And there's footage from Star Wars, from E.T., you know, from all, all sorts of movies they've worked on over the years. And if you really want a good peek behind how some of the special effects in these movies have come... come to be it's going to be awesome to see and they've done a lot more that you might not have known Uh, the reason Pixar exists today is because of industrial light and magic
0: yeah that's Uh, crazy I didn't know that
1: Photoshop exists because of industrial light and magic you know it's something they created You know, so if you run a real good look into how movies became the way they are, especially visually, this is going to be a great docu-series to check out, and you know I will be.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely excited to check this out since I I caught wind of it, so yeah, definitely. We will have something to say about when it comes
1: out. Absolutely. Uh, And on some unfortunate news, as it was reported last week, Yu-Gi-Oh! series creator uh, Kazuki uh, Kazuki. Takahashi died last week, uh, and to which I have to say a very uh, fond uh, rest in peace, sir, and thank you for what you created. You know, I was not familiar with the manga when it first came out, but I was—I became very familiar with the show when it debuted on Kids WB and became very enthralled with it very quickly. You know, I, I was more into Pokemon at the time. I collected the cards, but I didn't really play the game all that much. You know, I just like to collect them and look at them. And then Yu-Gi-Oh! came along, and I was a kid on a Saturday morning looking for stuff to watch. I'm like, all right, you know, this looks cool. It kind of looks like in the same vein of Pokemon. I'll give this a watch. Hooked very quickly, you know, and, and it was a Saturday morning staple for my brother and I to watch. So for everything he did for that, sh- for that series and, and just creating it, a very fond thank you, sir. Uh, you made my Saturday mornings for a good number of years watching that
0: show. Gary, deepest condolences out to his family, friends, and fans all over the world. And it's awful news to hear.
1: Uh, and lastly, and certainly not leastly, uh, was announced. Kind of alluded to it earlier in the show. But Top Gun: Maverick. If you haven't seen the movie, you're one of the few who hasn't, uh, because it was recently announced, but reported by the folks over at Collider. This is wild. That Top Gun: Maverick is now the highest grossing film in Paramount history.
0: Get the out of here
1: so article from ign.com reads quote top gun maverick is flying higher than any other paramount film has before including titanic the sequel to 1986's top gun has passed james cameron's titanic to become paramount's number one domestic grossing film of all time as reported by collider paramount pictures has released hundreds of films in its 110 year history and top gun maverick is now flying at the highest point in the sky at number one the film has now earned 601.9 million at the at the domestic box office surpassing Titanic's total gross of 600.7 million. Uh What is it? Uh, uh, Brian Robbins, president and CEO of Paramount Pictures, said, quote, Top Gun Maverick is a phenomenal motion picture, and we take deep pride in celebrating this tremendous achievement alongside Tom Cruise, our filmmakers uh, and cast, our marketing and distribution teams, and, of course, all the new and original Top Gun fans, without whom this wouldn't have been possible, close quote. Listen, the movie's fucking amazing you know it, it's one of the things that like it's hard to do a sequel to a movie especially this far removed from the original god damn they nailed it it's a it's a phenomenal film you know i went to see it with my parents who were big fans of the original and my girlfriend who you know admittedly we hadn't seen the first one but like we knew enough about it to really and, and really having not seen the first one which i know people might go wait what have you not seen top gun came out before i was born parents never owned it was not really on TV or on any channels I was watching as a kid. Sue me, you know. But go, having not seen the original, you really I knew enough about the original going in that I didn't feel lost at all. It's a phenomenal movie and, and highly worth checking out.
0: It blows my mind that it's doing this well. Uh-huh. But it's the nostalgia. It's it's the presentation. The fact that it would be Titanic. I still. I'm, I'm. It's it's been out for like
1: over a month. Uh, yeah, I was going to say point?
0: maybe maybe 7 weeks.
1: It's it's been out for like a, in between a month and 2 months. Like I was talking about well as I was talking about uh during the Thor segment, it's number 3 at the fucking box office,
0: which is absurd. Yeah, it is, but you know what though? I from talking with some fellow fans, I know people that don't usually go to the movies, sure, that have made a point to go see this. Sure. So, I think it's kind of touching on a fan base that has not been active at the movies mm-hmm. and, and i'm not gonna say because obviously it was c19 sure, and all that just sure. but, I'm, but i'm gonna say they might have been holding off yeah some people that really just haven't made that point to go out to sure. the theaters in a long time i'm saying pre-covid sure so i think this this really connected i know mickey Rourke is not a fan yeah yeah i heard i heard he was uh not too yeah. uh not too nice of uh, yeah. things to say about tom cruise but listen you gotta give him credit like this touch upon a market it's definitely one that Everybody I know has really raved about it. I still Mm -hmm. have to go see it. Oh, it's phenomenal. It's just I haven't gotten around to it. Like, I've had other things on the plate. So I'm going to, at some point, check it. Yeah. But, you know, kudos to them. But, man, the fact they beat Titanic. Wow. Yeah. Well, until until Titanic gets re-released again, because
1: you know it will at some point.
0: Well, it's going to merge with Avatar. (laughs) Reasons. Yeah,
1: reasons. And then lastly, and certainly not leastly, season finale of The Boys.
0: Yeah, let's talk about this. God I, damn. We gave our spoiler-free review on odphpodcast.com uh because we were fortunate enough to have early screener access. So now we can finally talk about this because Jesus Christ, there's a lot to digest. Jesus Christ. But the season finale just wrapped up and man did they ever hit a home run. So yeah, I they guess did. I guess we'll say spoiler-free statement. Sure.
1: Uh fucking insane and I cannot believe they're going to try and top this for Season 4, but I have full faith in the crew and team to top it.
0: The fact that Anthony Starr did not get an Emmy nomination is a blasphemous travesty.
1: Oh, listen, Bob Odenkirk didn't. That's all that matters.
0: Listen, no, no. Anthony Starr deserved one for his entire portrayal as Homelander. He's 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 been the winner for two years, in my opinion, so... Uh, Listen, at OD Parlay Hour, if you want to debate about this, but look, I'm dead-ass serious. His portrayal as Homelander has been some of the best work on TV-slash-streaming, bar none, the past few years. Yeah. And where we jump in, obviously, there's been a lot going on this season. Homelander Mm -hmm. has definitely been dealing with the public disgrace because of the whole Stormfront (laughs) relationship and then some. And obviously, what she turned out to really be, which is a walking piece of shit. No,
1: To put it mildly. I'm
0: putting it mildly. We've seen that Butcher, Huey, and the boys have really been working with the government in a new role yeah. as a liaison. Try it a different way. Trying to do it trying to do it the clean way. You know, obviously Carl Urban's butcher has definitely been one that has never been one to side with soups on any stretch of the imagination. Jack Quaid's Huey has always been one that has worked very well because obviously his relationship with Aaron Moriarty's Starlight. And you've seen that obviously the other characters involved have definitely been Thrown in the mix as well, but this year has been a big curveball because Butcher has basically said, we need to take out Homelander once and for all. I'm done playing around with this. He's grown more out of control and more unstable because, obviously, he can't handle the fact that he lost. Mm -hmm. And he is not the number one superhero on the planet, so he has become a threat so they concoct this crazy idea to go get Soldier Boy out of ice. Yeah. And this is this uh, universe's version of Captain America, played by the one and only Jensen Ackles, who absolutely crushed it in this role. If anybody is not sold on what he can do with this kind of character, listen, I'm telling you right now, I need to see him in more stuff playing just an absolute son of a gun, to say the least. And why he is not Batman on one of the CW shows yet by far, I, I, I can't figure out because he absolutely played what you would expect from a character from this time period, which mm-hmm. I mean, he was on ice. He was an absolute asshole, yeah, and one that was not exactly open to progressing thoughts. No, uh, during this time period, um, no. so much so that his original team of payback put him on ice. Yeah, all turned on him. They hate.
1: They hated him enough that they froze his ass.
0: Yeah, because he was too out of control and too unstable. And especially one character, Black Noir, mm-hmm. who has been the Batman of the of the seven from yep. the entire incarnation. Yep. And it's getting now to the point where, you know, we got to throw that spoiler warning on, so if you haven't seen the episode yet by now. What the fuck's wrong with you? We're giving you the countdown. So in three, two, one. We now find out that Soldier Boy is actually Homelander's father. Yeah. And the biggest curveball of all is it goes exactly the way that you think it would go, because Soldier Boy has actually killed off all the members of Payback, except Black Noir. And we have actually survived Herogasm. Yeah. Woo. Miraculously. Which is the Soup's orgy that uh, is a lot different in the comics than the TV show, but hey, it's still packed. That uh, visual aid that you need to see. Uh, yeah, you got to see to believe. Yeah. Viewer discretion is advised. And it did provide one of the best fight scenes in all of TV, too. Yeah. The fight at Hero Gasm was amazing. But you do see that now in this episode, Black Noir, you're seeing the thoughts come through him about, you know, and in Looney Tunes form, too about his time getting bullied by uh, Soldier Boy. And obviously, since Soldier Boy is now escalated to a point that he's now kind of siding with Homelander Mm -hmm. because Homelander is now convinced he's going to put his family back together. So he brings Ryan, the child that has been between Butcher and Homelander the entire run of the series, is now brought into this. And this is where Butcher basically says, okay, we're going to come to New York. We're going to figure this out. And basically have that final standoff. So they set up a trap for everybody involved. They actually wind up freeing Queen Maeve, who's been taken out of the equation this entire season. Yep. And we now have everybody in the same place at the same time. And this is where things get absolutely out of control because Mm -hmm. this entire time, Butcher has been taken V24. Mm -hmm. Now, Pat, what is V24? Uh, A more powerful
1: version of Compound
0: V. Yep, which we find out is going to be fatal after three or five doses, Uh huh. give-take. And Butcher has been popping it like no tomorrow. He's been popping it like it's friggin' Pez candy. Yep. Huey, though, on the other hand, has experimented with it a little bit, but he's not at that stage. And obviously, this season, he's been having back and forths with Starlight, who lost or whose ex boyfriend was killed off by Homelander because yep. it was made as a shot to get Starlight to fall into the uh, team. Co- company line. Yeah, company line with the seven and it's kind of a little messy situation, but so they've had, their little thing going back and forth. So now when everybody's all under the same roof, well, it doesn't exactly go the way they plan because the trap is set there. You see that Homelander is trying to really connect the family and soldier boy basically says, you know what? Fuck this. Mm-hmm. Literally. Yeah. He's just like, you know what? You, you raised your kid to be an absolute coward He's no son of mine. He's no grandson of mine. Get me out of here. I'm taking you both out. Yeah. Because he's grown too unstable. Mm Mm-hmm. Causing a very wild sequence to go on. You're seeing a very, very back-and-forth battle happen. You're seeing Huey make the decision if he's going to take V-24 again or no. He decides not to. Mm Mm-hmm. He decides to power Starlight, who's now gone back to Annie january since she's left the Seven. Yep. And she is now basically held her own against a Homelander, which is a very, very big deal. feather in your cap. Yeah. And you do see the Soldier Boy, though, during this time period, because everybody's kind of broken off into their own fights. Everybody now finally teams up on Soldier Boy. Mm-hmm. You do see Queen Maeve ta- shoves him out the window and does a tackle. So they're flying out of the Vought's Industries high rise. Mm-hmm. So you do see an explosion. Yep. You do see that Maeve is presumed dead. She's, yep. she's now completely taken off the board. But we do find out that she does survive. Yep. But she doesn't have powers. Yes. How are you feeling about that?
1: Uh, makes sense. I mean, write her off the show. Give her a happy ending.
0: Yeah, which happy ending in The Boys usually doesn't happen. No, not usually. No, because we did see that one major character was killed off, too, and that's Black Noir. Mm-hmm. Who's killed off by who, Pat? Uh, Homelander. Uh, Homelander, yeah. Yeah, because now this is where it gets a little tricky. In the comics, mm-hmm. Black Noir has a very unique connection to Homelander. Mm-hmm. They did not go this route thus far. Right. But I have heard that Eric Kripke and company uh, in a couple of interviews said, Black Noir will be back next year. Hmm. Interesting. So I think that we're going to go the comic book route next year. So we'll have to wait and see about that. Oh, yeah. But as we see... Soldier Boy has been taken care of because, obviously, falling out of the building, he he's knocked unconscious. They put him back on ice to bring back at a, a later date. Queen Maeve has her go- has her going away. The, nothing has happened. We do find out that Annie has now joined the boys. And uh, we do see that, well, Homelander now has the backings yeah. of Vought Industries 1,000%. And this is a very scary situation because there's no way he should have this because Victoria Newman has now risen up the political ranks. She is the one they were calling the Head Popper yeah, because of her uh, ability to make heads explode. And she's now in, vice, in the Vice Presidency uh, candidacy because The Deep did some assassination work for her. And Homelander is now her, pro, her uh, chosen champion mm-hmm. who does have a meltdown in front of a crowd who somebody is standing up against him. Yeah. And what does he do, Pat? Uh, he lasers his head off. Yeah. Kills a man in daylight. hmm Like, no tomorrow. hmm And the, what does the crowd do? Cheers. Yeah. Yeah. This was an eerie scene. hmm Not gonna lie. Yeah. Got a little too uh, uncomfortable for me. Yeah. Because is sitting there, and he just starts getting this maniacal smile on his face. Yeah. because Which is now memed. Yeah, which is memed all over the place. You can't miss yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, you people don't care what I do. I can literally do whatever I want.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah
0: and that's how that story ends. He now has got his son back. He now is back on top with a popularity rating for being himself, quote-unquote, that yep. has never been touched upon in Vaude Industries. And then the only trick that uh, we definitely got to keep an eye on for is we hear that Butcher has 12 months to live because of his usage of V-24. Yep. So the question is, I will ask you is, how do you think this is all going to play out, Pat?
1: My play, I, I know how it plays out in the comics. Um, I think it might play out a little bit similar to that but with some obvious differences because there's been so many differences between the comics and the show now that I don't think I can exactly follow it to the letter.
0: Yeah, I agree with you, too. I think that Butcher will go out of his way to have that final showdown with Homelander one way or another. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to go away with the comics. However, though, with the announcement of what they were doing with Black Noir, that he would be back next year, mm-hmm. I think we are going to go that comic route. Could Because they didn't say how you – they said he'd be very different than the comic – or than the show. Right. So all signs point to that. Yeah. And then plus they're also doing the spin off varsity. Yeah, I heard about that. So there will be a crossover that. That's based- that
1: they said that will impact the mainline story of the boys.
0: Yeah, which if you're not familiar with that, this is gonna be their version of the X Men. Oh, okay. So makes sense. Yeah, you, you know, it's it's gonna be more fucked up. But I tell you what, final thoughts on this season in this episode, Pat. Didn't think
1: it could get any more crazy than the last two seasons, but goddamn it did. And and you and there's some stuff that's overt and some stuff you really kind of kind of pay attention and pick up by deducing a couple of things, but it, it's fucking insane.
0: This shows you how absolutely brilliant and disturbing the boys' comic is from the minds of Garth Ennis and Derek Robertson, mm-hmm. from when they were Wildstorm to how they wind up leaving Wildstorm, which was under the DC Comics banner. We have to remember that, right? And going to Dynamite Entertainment. And to really say what could go wrong when superheroes have powers and no responsibilities, Mm -hmm. they have really brought this to life. This is a brilliant comic. You haven't checked this out. And the show has definitely captured that vein. Some changes here and there, but when you have such strong acting from Carl Urban, Jack Quaid, Aaron Moriarty, Anthony Starr, just to name a few, this show really brings out the essence of the comic, and they bring it to a pop culture audience like nobody else's business. I cannot stress this enough. If you are a comic book fan, if you're a superhero fan that really wants a more mature story, this is your book. Now, granted, they go over the top in some areas. But this is still your book to go check out. So I give it the highest possible recommendation. I think they absolutely crushed it this season. Mm-hmm. And I am scared to see where they're going for season four.
1: Absolutely. Uh, almost forgot. got two recommendations for you. They're podcast related. Oh. Uh, the first of which is Pod Meets World. It's from the folks over at iHeartMedia and specifically Ryder Strong, Daniel Fishel, and Will Friedle, a.k.a. Sean Hunter, Topanga, Topanga. And uh, Eric from Boy Meets World. Okay. And it is a Boy Meets World rewatch podcast. So each week they will uh, – they've they got five episodes out right now uh, or they will interview a cast member or somebody involved with the show – and then they will also do like discuss an episode. Uh, so the first episode they did was called TGI Happening. It was kind of just like a general walkthrough about the show and how they feel about the uh, Boy Meets World and just kind of everything. They did uh, two recaps uh, on episode one and episode two, of uh, season one, which you can catch on Disney Plus. Uh, and then for interviews, they've introduced thus far William Russ, aka Rusty, who was Alan Matthews, mm. uh, and they also interviewed William Daniels, aka Mister. Feeny. let's go highly recommend the podcast it's a lot of fun it's very nostalgic it's and it's a lot of fun to listen to excited to go from that the only one i'm more excited for which episode one dropped today and it is called talkville uh and it is from tom welling and michael rosenbaum
0: oh geez
1: aka clark kent and lex luthor uh it is a uh, rewatch uh podcast surrounding smallville uh and i'm going to read from the description of episode one which is titled the pilot uh, says, back to where it all began. Join Tom Welling and Michael Rosenbaum as they revisit the Smallville pilot more than two decades since it was filmed. The guys talk about their experience during the shooting with Kingmaker David Nutter working with established actors like John Schneider, Annette O'Toole, and John Glover, and sentiment sentiment filming and releasing around 9-11. After discussing the difficulty of certain scenes like the underwater car crash and the epic nature of the meteor shower, Tom and Michael later reflect on certain scenes that are a bit jarring and probably wouldn't fly nowadays. Close quote. Uh, So yeah, highly recommend the podcast, even though I haven't listened to episode one yet, because listen, I love Smallville. Most of the uh, DC TV shows wouldn't be around today were it not for the success of Smallville. Facts. Uh, that is high facts. And, and I'll be honest, I totally forgot about the whole 9-11 aspect of it because I had to look it up on IMDb. Episode 1 of Smallville did release a couple of days, or it released almost a little over a month after the events of September 11th. You know, October 16th of 2001. Mm-hmm. Totally forgot about that aspect. I'll be interested to hear what they say about that. But Smallville is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. And to hear Michael Rosenbaum and and Tom and go back and talk about it. And and they are said they're going to interview some of the actors and actresses from that. So I'm excited to hear it. I'm excited to rewatch it with them and kind of go back down that memory lane of a show that was a part of my life for 10 years.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, there, it's definitely... Set the blueprint for how to do superhero TV shows, yeah. you know, in the modern era. I guess I would say, yeah, you know, post two thousands. So definitely, yeah, definitely a lot of cool stuff to check out. So thanks for absolutely. Bringing that absolutely. So let's keep those recommendations going. It's time to talk a little comics. So at Comixology Originals, I always talk about their their line. You I think do. They, they do a lot of fantastic work. A lot of this stuff is coming to print. So I know I'll, I've been hearing f- feedback. Well, there's issues with the Comixology app allegedly. Listen. It works fine for me. I don't have any issues with it, but I'm going to say this: you know, obviously, you can, you can hit up them and they, you just start digging in the lighter notes. A lot of this is coming to print later this year, so if you if you want to wait till then, do it till then. I'm saying right now though, there's a lot of books out there right now you definitely want to check out, and this is one kicking off: *Beatrix Rose*, *Vigilante* number one, so by Stephanie Phillips and Valerica Fabroka. And, Pad, this is done by uh, the creator uh, Mark Dawson's Beatrix Rose. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. No, I don't think so. So, obviously, this is dealing with an agent that worked for a British intelligence agency that was betrayed by her team, and she she went off the radar and wound up uh, reappearing in Hong Kong doing a lot of crazy espionage-type stuff. Very cool book. And, like I say, Stephanie Phillips is absolutely crushing it right now. That we only kill each other to Grim on Boom Studios. Like she is absolutely putting some fantastic fantastic work in. Harley Quinn lately, too. Oh. I going to say. So this is another one you definitely want to go check out. I think this is absolutely something that would be up Pad's alley. Oh okay. I'm showing him the promotional art because you know cool. you know I like to show him this stuff yeah. as we go. Yeah. So Bij Garros Vigilante is out on Comicsology Originals right now. You definitely want to go check that out, especially if you're a fan of the Mark Dawson books. This is something that'll be right up your alley. I think it was just a cool, cool book to check out. Also coming out on Comixology Originals, Cold Iron Number 3. So this is a story by Andy Diggle and Nick Brokenshear. And this has been a supernatural, uh, intense uh, fantasy trip. It's a very, very solid book from top to bottom. And they're going in a lot of different directions. Everything is really (laughs) speeding up because we're at the halfway point of the series. It's only five issues, but it's definitely one to go check out on Comixology Originals. So I definitely would recommend that this week. Also, from our friends over at Valiant Entertainment, shout out to them. The dynamic duo, or I should say the unlikely duo, because Dynamic Duo obviously is another company. But obviously, my favorite pairing from Valiant is back in a big way Archer and Armstrong forever, number three. And this is going into the quest to save Archer or Armstrong's immortality because it's lost. Archer won't let him down. Steve Fox, Mauricio Ferrito are bringing the. Uh, uh, just an intense fun ride going on with this. There's a lot of humor in this book. It definitely captures the odd couple pairing. And I'm telling you, what if you're not if you're sleeping on this book, you gotta get familiar with it. They got a lot of stuff coming on for the year of Valiant and Archer and Armstrong Forever is a big part of that. So you definitely want to go check that out. Also, over on Boom Studios, the Charge to 100 is almost here, Pat. Uh-oh. So that means only a couple issues left before Ryan Parrott departs from the Power Rangers universe, and he is definitely going on on a big note. Uh, Ryan Parrott and Marco Rena present power rangers number 21 so like i said only a few issues left if you've been following the power rangers book since the Altarian war they definitely have a lot of stuff going on but this is all building towards that massive issue 100 tom craven from that hashtag show and off the cuff games is going to come back in to talk about this because it's that big of a deal if you're a power rangers fan and the work they've been doing has definitely been bringing a lot of heat and i'm telling you right now if you've been invested into the power rangers universe there is a lot of lore that is getting touched upon. And one book that we recommended a couple weeks ago, I'm going to say you need to read as a companion piece. And that is Power Rangers Unlimited Countdown to Ruining. So you definitely need to go check that out. But I'm telling you right now, they're doing some phenomenal work over at the books. See, I'm getting so amped up, I can't even talk about it. That's how much I really enjoy these books. But Boom Studios has absolutely been crushing it with the Power Rangers stuff, so you definitely want to go check that out. Over at DC Comics, I... Definitely a little more quieter week from my selections, but there is a book that I definitely want to recommend to everybody, and that's Superman, Son of Kal-El, number 13. You definitely want to go check that one out because, Pad, it is the dramatic debut of Dreamer, okay. who we know from uh, Supergirl. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. So, quoting the uh, article from DCComics.com, it's a dramatic debut of DCU, debut of Dreamer. So, you definitely want to go check that out. Nicole Maines and Tom Taylor are writing. Clayton Henry is on the art for that, so you definitely want to go check that book out. And over at Marvel, Marvel's got a big week too. So I'm just going to say this. Daredevil number one, Chips Zdarsky. Enough said. It's Daredevil. It's Chips Zdarsky. I don't need to sell it anymore. But the book that, I, that made me literally yell out, holy crap this morning, Savage Avengers number three, David Pepos, Carlos Magno, has been freaking fantastic. And this issue never lets up from the get-go. It's high energy, high action. It we there's never a break point in this, ever. And the final panel of this book will definitely make you have that oat moment, because it did for me. The story is awesome, and like listen, I'm I'm telling you, I can't give it a more high, highest possible recommendation. So much win is in this book. You definitely got to go check that out. So as we always say, make sure to go support your independent uh, comic shops, local comic shops, and independent comic podcasts. We're all put in big work. So you definitely want to go check that out. If you need more recommendations, obviously, we post the Sound Go Round, Just Incredible Cosplay Picks of the Week on ODPH Podcast on Facebook. And, of course, go ahead up our guy Brian Wayne from Cheers to Comics. He's back in a big way. Mm-hmm. You definitely want to go get your comic recommendations from him. So that being said, Pat, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH, that's Shout Out the Robots. They're doing big things. they got some stuff in the works. I'm not allowed to talk about, so we definitely are going to keep that under wraps. But we will find out more about Shout, where do I go? ODPHpodcast.com. Correct. You can find out about Shout and all the other amazing bands you hear each and every week on the 607 Podcast Network. Also, wire the website. Check out Parley Points. New comics blocks dropping all week. Big week next week. I can't even get into that right now. Mm. There is some stuff that I was just sent today that I have not even told Pad that uh, he's going to hear it and go, well, it's nice knowing you. We're not going to see you for the weekend. But it's well worth it because there, are the recommendations are there. There's recommendations for pro wrestling. Dre Driven's got a blog up right now. We're allegedly getting one from Coach Duffy. Mm. Wait and see about that one. So you definitely want more content. That's all right there on Parlay Points. Also, while you're at the website, check out the classified section, which has friends of the show, such as 8122 Productions, such as The Apocalypse, and such as Dragon Master Games. Also, we have organizational links in Black Lives Matter and voter registration. A lot of good information there, so you definitely want to go check that out. Pad, we also have the directory because
1: how many providers are we on now? Uh, 713,000.
0: Sounds about right. So you know what? I'm not disputing that. But if we're not on your favorite podcast provider, let us know when we try getting there. That's how we try doing for you. We put all the links. We put all the embedded players there. You can go listen to the ODPH anywhere, anytime. We make it that easy to follow, subscribe, and always remember to drop that five-star review. We do appreciate that as well. Public store for anything and everything that is the ODPH. It can be found at ODPHpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the only Padawan Jay. Thank you. Thank you. I'm your host, Ken. I'm thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time.